This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. the way you said that you know I've got some films I want to talk about because I've watched some good ones yeah for once (laughs) (laughs) hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I could be taking you guys back to the year in 2000 to look at M. Night Shannon's I think it's his second movie uh, with Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson it's Unbreakable and joining me today on this episode, I couldn't think of anybody better to be talking about this movie with, is Dan Bone from the podcast on Haunted Hill. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you very much. It's good to have Excited. you back on the show again, Dan. And uh, believe it or not, mate, this is episode eight for you and I. You no know, way. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. We're on to eight episodes together now. That's uh, crazy. It's come a long way from Master of the Universe, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said at the time I have the power, and I've proven you correct. Yeah, so that's far. it. Yeah, we have. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been the whole ton of fun. But what have you been up to, mate? What have you been watching? Uh, watching any movies, should I say? I'm not going to say anything. Well, but I'll just yeah. Let you tell I've, I've, you know me, I watch, I've had a really good binge, actually, in the last, since we last spoke. Um, I'll just tick a couple of off that I've watched. I know there's a couple you probably want to have a brief chat with me about as well. I watched a film that I'd never seen before mm-hmm. um, from uh, 1988, starring The Hoff himself. Wow, what the hell is this going to be? <laughs> and, okay. uh, and also starring Linda Blair. Right, okay. Um, it's, uh-huh. it's called Witch, Witchery, or sometimes called Witchcraft. And it's about um, an island with a private house on it. Right. And D- David Hasselhoff and his friend, who he kind of fancies, he's a photographer and she's writing a book on this like weird witch um, superstition of, about the island. So they go there together and then another family arrive who are looking at buying the property. Right. And then they end up getting trapped on the island because a storm hits. But then there's loads of like spooky goings on. Uh, and it's actually on um, YouTube, I think, if I remember rightly. Okay. So if anybody wants to check it out, it's really atmospheric it's cheesy and it's 80s and it's got the hoff in it but <laughs> it's pretty good fun atmospheric it's one of these um you know uh demons yeah they, and then they may obviously you know demons i know you i know, know i love demons yeah ricky morgan's got a lot to answer for that with me and demons just shouting <laughs> him out then well um, uh after demons 2 they started making just like anything that could be a demons movie they'd Right. Try and attach it like so. In Italy, it's called. This was actually called La Casa Five. So this is supposed to be Demons Five, but it's it's completely unrelated. Wow. But um, it's awesome, and I highly recommend checking out Witchery. Wow, yeah. that's crazy, yeah. man! I, I, I've never heard of it. Um, the only film oh. I know David Hasselhoff to be in, obviously, apart from him being in the Nightmare Rider TV show, is Star Crash. Um, but no, I can't. But I want to go and check this film out now, especially with Linda Blair. And Let's not whole... forget, he also played Nick Fury in a, in a movie as well, before Samuel L. Jackson 
Oh, a little, little tie-in to today, Dan. I like that. I like that, mate. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, he played um, he played uh, cigar-smoking, eye-patched um, Nick Fury in a, in a TV movie as well. So he did he did a couple of things, but we all know him and love him as Michael Knight, don't we? Michael Knight, yeah, the man with no name. That always makes me what? laugh. <laughs> oh, God. Michael Knight, Michael the man Knight. with no... Well, he's got a name. <laughs> well, because he's, uh, you know, the pilot episode of that um, TV show... The cult TV show is that he plays a police officer or something like that, doesn't he? And then he gets shot in the face, and then he gets, right. gets his face recreated, and he wakes up. Imagine that, eh? You look in I the know. mirror. Oh my god, I've been turning to Michael. Oh my god, I'm the <laughs> uh, guy David Hasselhoff. Uh, I'm mean. the guy from Baywatch. All of yeah, a this is it. Crazy. Oh, be there. He's he's had a hell of a career, isn't he? Hoff, you know, there's no no denying him that he's just had a whole ton of fun. I think he he's had some super high moments in his career, yeah. um, and unfortunately, he's had some real crashes as well, hasn't he? I know he had some uh, real problems with alcohol, yes, and things like that as well. Yeah, and fair play to him, you know, he's I think it was his son that put a video on YouTube and he and the Hoff was kind of happy to have that portrayed because he's just saying that this is how um, an excess amount of alcohol can affect you or something like that so you know fair play to him you know he's just you know Michael Knight Michael Knight that's it <laughs> <laughs> I love it man where do you want to go um, to I'll Michael uh, Michael Good Michael kit. <laughs> hey Kit just drive me to Asda's will you I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't. It's all right. It's just it's 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 a it's a common trend with me and my car as well. Is a little bit of an in in joke at work because I drive an old car. So some people say it's like the night rider car, but that's just a little bit of a segue. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> getting back to the show. <laughs> Uh, I want to touch on a couple of other movies I've watched yeah. recently. Um, I had a double bill the other day, and I know you were saying, oh, let's talk about this on the show, and I watched FX and FX2. Mm. Oh, yeah, great movies. I I haven't seen them for a long time, but I remember watching them uh, probably back in... When were they made? Was it sort of late 80s, early 90s? Uh, the first one was think. actually 86. Was it really? Yeah, um, okay. and the second one was 91. Right, so I think I might have watched the second one before the first one. I did um, as well, with the clown, the robot clown, and stuff oh like that. Oh god, that's a great! Uh, I think it's one of the, it's one of those films where I actually enjoyed the second one quite a lot. Do you know what I mean? I think the yeah, second one pulls off quite a bit. It's just as good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably maybe a maybe an episode for bite size. Possibly might have to have a, have a look at. Those I was movies. thinking, you know, it's a sh- it's one that I can imagine you covering on your show. It's um it's got a lot going on in it. It's a really interesting. It's, it's basically a thriller, but with a guy that does special effects in movies, and it's just a very clever take on just a standard thriller, really. Um, you know, there's mafia guys in it, and you know the main guy in it is quite charming, and the Australian yes. guy. Yeah, it's quite fun. It. It's quite fun, really. Yeah, I remember him coming out saying, "Do you remember what happened last time, mate?" <laughs> like that, something like that. It's like the witch from the Doomsday Clock does it. Special effects or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one I'll talk about. Go on. Um, Go on. I couldn't let you down. Go on. Oh God, Dan, I feel like there's an elephant in the room. <laughs> I couldn't let you down. So I only watched this last night, actually. Oh, God, um, I think I know what this is going to be. Go on. Super Shark. Oh, God. <laughs> 2011. I, s- I saw the uh, poster 
you posted it on the page. It looked like some military guys fighting a shark or something like that. Was it tanks and soldiers or something? Well, the tanks in it have got got legs. They've got these special tanks that can oh, walk man. on robotic legs, um, which is lucky because this shark can... It's a, it's a prehistoric primordial shark, and apparently, back in the day, those sharks could fly. <laughs> And uh, they can crawl on land using their fins and their tail. So that you're not safe anywhere from Super Shark. Super Shark, oh my god. And RJ, let me tell you the best thing about Super Shark. And you know you're watching a good film when this happens. Well, you mean there's something better than all that? What you just said? Go on, what else did they put on this shark? It's got its own theme song. (laughs) Oh god almighty. When, When the credits, so my wife was watching it, she said, why do you watch this shit? And I said, I said, oh, it's fun, isn't it? You know, it's it's a, it's a good way to unwind. And it kicked in. There was all these girls on the beach and they were saying, yeah, the, the wet T-shirt competition is starting soon. <laughs> and then you've got the shark in the water. And then the music kicked in. Din, 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 super shark. Din, 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 oh it's super God. shark. Din, din, din. And is I was it, like this, I'm in. Is it a catchy I'm song in. that you can't get out of your head after watching it? Or is it just so bad? Yeah, you think, it's, oh. it's like Shaft. With, instead of saying shaft, they just say super shark. <laughs> they, they, they must be making a ton of money though, because they keep making these movies, don't they? Do you know what I mean? So there must be a market for them. Unless there's some billionaire out there who's just sort of throwing a load of money at the studio saying, I love these movies, just keep making them or something. This had one of the Dukes of Hazard in it. Um, John Schneider, that was in uh, Smallville, was Clark Kent's dad. He, oh, really? He was in this. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing in this? Well, you know, paying the bills. He just obviously got that phone call that day. Do you want to be in a shark movie? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of pretty girls and stuff like that. Yeah, sure, man. Let's do Basically, it. it. Yeah, yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> Whatever sells. Oh dear. Well, I've been watching. Um, this kind of sounds boring now, mate, because I can't really beat that shark movie. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, oh dear. How am I going to beat that? But it's Come actually <laughs> something that um, is kind of like what we're doing today. It's um, a TV show called The Boys. Oh yeah, I've, I've not seen it, but um, mm. I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, so I've um, I've started watching it. I'm only up to six episodes, but I don't want to talk about it too much, mate. You haven't seen it, or if anybody's listening, because I don't want to spoil it too much. But it's basically a um, spin on the superhero, which is kind of what we're talking about today, mm-hmm. and. A quick synopsis is basically what if these superheroes were kind of up their own arse and <laughs> do you know what I mean? A bit like the um, they're, they're basically doing things so they get sort of more credits and likabilities on Instagram and things like that, do you know what I mean? So they'll rescue someone and then they'll look at and take a selfie of each other, you know, and basically try and get more likes. And uh, there's a group of blue collared guys who just disgruntled with him and want to take him out so that's all I'm going to say but it's a really good concept so uh, yeah I think you will definitely like it yeah, I've so heard it's it. very very adult uh, very oh, yes. violent oh yes yes and it's also got um, Carl Urban in it he's just great oh. in whatever he does he's, he's, yeah, he's, brilliant. he's great um, which uh, also I think the other thing I was going to just quickly mention Dan just on a little bit of a sort of segue is do you think at the moment we're we're sort of missing a bit of a franchise after Marvel. 
Sort yeah, of. I know. I know that they've got a few movies lined up because they want to start Phase Four, but obviously with with the pandemic, that's not happening. Mm. But you're right; it feels like there's a bit of a gap at the moment. We're not, you know, there's nothing really happening. Because I'm just talking about generally. Because um, I mean, obviously, we love our sort of genres of horror and everything like that, don't we? Which is really, really doing well at the moment. But I'm just talking about you had like um, you had Harry Potter, didn't you? And then you had Pirates of the Caribbean, and then you had Marvel. Or the Hobbit, yeah. Lord of the Rings, but at the moment I was just thinking, it's not really anything that's kind of sort of hitting the market at the moment, is it? But I just well, they're, think- they're trying. I feel like they try now and again, and they bring out like I know the Hunger Games did okay. I didn't particularly like those movies very much. No, but I know they did like the Divergent movies, and they keep trying. Uh, they did the Maze Hunter films. I think there's two. Maze or even Runner, three yeah. Those. Maze bad, Runner, actually, I quite a lot, I quite enjoyed that. Particularly number two, I enjoyed. It's quite good. Um, yeah, is that the one with the zombies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I liked that one. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I took my daughter to go and see that, and she said, oh, "I'm loving this." <laughs> it's yeah, like uh, zombies it was and things. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I was thinking, um, talking about Carl Urban because he did Dread, and I really enjoyed that oh. film. And I was just thinking, it's about time someone just took hold of the 2000 AD franchise, just turn it into a load of movies because there's so many different characters. Oh, yeah. You could, you know, you got Strontium Dog, the ABC Warriors slaying all those characters um i just think if you could do what they did with marvel with 2000 ad man that it just that would work it just feels to me as if that's just a franchise just waiting to be picked up did they cross over in the comics a lot yeah they did yeah um so the search and destroy team um johnny nova his name was he he teamed up with oh yeah uh dread because he, Judge Dredd, was dealing with the apocalypse and loads of zombies, so they came on board to help him out. So um, there's probably wasn't there a character called Dan Dare as well? There is, but he was part of um, a different comic book. Um, oh, yeah, right. it wasn't. I don't. There'd be loads. Of, there'd be some 2000 AD fan going shouting at me. RJ, no, you got this all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought that. that um, talking about because I kind of see 2000 AD as a sort of superhero thing as well because they are heroes sort of more on the sci-fi route but yeah I'd love to see someone pick that up so that uh, Dread movie was so good um, and I know they probably won't ever make a sequel but I, I think I think they should I think it was so brilliant and they could do another because that was just all one contained you know, location. They they could do something else. They could do another mission. They could do another mission. It doesn't have to be continuous. It could just be Carl Urban turns up at another place. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of these adventures were sort of contained in Mega City One, with villains coming to the city and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, some say it was a. It's very much like the Raid movie, wasn't it? Where it's like in a building. Uh, I think the two movies came out at the same time. Um, but yeah, yeah, there you go. If, any, if there's any sort of directors out there just happen to be listening to this show, <laughs> just putting it out there, <laughs> 2018, man. <laughs> Start the franchise. Yeah, that's it. Right, shall we, um, shall we have a look at this movie then, Dan? Yeah, let's let's get to it. Let's, uh, let's so, go into uh, the movie itself. Shall we put our, our rain max on because it's starting to rain? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll play you guys a trailer, and we'll see you soon.
You're in the emergency room in the Philadelphia City Hospital. I'm gonna ask you some questions. Where were you sitting on the train? Against the window. In the passenger car? Yes. You're certain you were in the passenger car? Yeah. Where are the other passengers? Your train derailed. Took a curve too fast. A second train collided with yours after it derailed. The debris spread over one mile. Why are you looking at me like that? There are two reasons why I'm looking at you like this. One, because it seems you aren't the only survivor of this train wreck. And two, you don't have a scratch on you. I know what's going through your mind right now. You're searching for meaning in all of this. And welcome back, guys. So the, the synopsis to this film is a man learns something extraordinary about himself after a devastating accident. It's a film which is directed by M. Night Shyamalan. He also wrote and produced and directed, so he's like an auteur director that kind of was involved with everything. It was like his vision for this movie. Um, it's classed as a drama, sci-fi, mystery it's a PG-13 and it's got a 106-minute runtime. So, Dan, um, why do you like this film, mate? Well, two reasons why. Firstly, it's a brilliant movie mm-hmm. um, and, and it's a really different take on the superhero genre. You know, the, the origin story that we've yeah. seen with Peter Parker and everybody else a million times. It's just very different. Um, it's really well made because... It's made like a comic book with all the long shots and the yeah. way they linger on it, like it'd be a panel in a comic book almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and and secondly, I guess just because it's so original uh, and and grounded in reality, you know, this is like bef- Batman Begins before Batman Begins. You know what I mean? It's kind of really grounded in reality. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, because Shadowman said that uh, he's basically made a superhero movie for this film is. A- the whole of this film is just the first act to say like Batman Begins. Yeah. So you've basically got the bit where you've got the superhero finding out that he is a superhero. And usually you say like in other movies like Spider-Man, you have that as the first act. And then the second act, you find out there's a villain and then the third act they fight. But he's just said, I want to keep it on the first act and have it as like a sort of slow burn, which is, works incredibly well. Um and like you said, all the sort of camera shots, 
I never really noticed this. And it's always funny, isn't it? When you do a podcast, how you sort of look at a film a little bit more in depth. Mm, and I was yeah. looking at those, like you just said, the... I think you guys would appreciate this more with your filmmaking, you know, with you and Gav. But you, you see the camera sort of spending a long time on two characters and then just slowly moving backwards, stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. And you can imagine if that was a panel, it would just have all the speech bubbles. It'd be the same picture, yeah. And it'd have like four speech bubbles in the order of the conversation. It's done exactly. He knows his stuff, Shyamalan. He's oh uh, yeah, yeah. He gets absolutely. ripped. You know, people people say he's kind of fallen off a little bit but let's not forget he made the sixth sense mm-hmm. he made signs he made unbreakable um i quite like the village yeah i do uh, as well yeah there's a couple of movies that weren't so good but <laughs> then glass and um split are both fantastic as well i thought so yeah um know. also see what i like about shannon and what, what i like it i think directors um i always applaud a director for trying to do something different um, because I think unless if you don't do something different you're never going to get the next new thing mm. and <laughs> a lot of people might might disagree with me here but I'm, I'm just going to say I really did enjoy the one with Mark Wahlberg um, where it was to do with the was it the trees and I know it's a crazy concept but it's the happening the happening but I think to myself I can see what Shannon's trying to do he's trying to sort of say well what if the ecosystem turned around and tried to kill us. And you sort of think to yourself, that is actually quite a scary concept. And I know the film is crazy, but I think people kind of gone, well, I that's never, quite that's like never, it. Yeah, do you? Oh, right, okay. <laughs> don't right, tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so likewise, I, I was actually felt like the odd man out in the cinema and I actually went, I'm actually quite enjoying this film because I think, yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing as well is I, I kind of knew what Shannonman was already all about, and I thought he's always going to try and uh, bring something new to the table. And I think that's why I love this director so much. You know what I mean? He's uh... he's an all-rounder, and he is very original. Let's not forget again, he writes and mm. directs yeah. the majority of his films. Um, that's very creative, and. I think he kind of fell into a trap where everybody expected the twist ending, which, you know, he still does to an extent here and there. Um, Oh, I'll tell you one of his, which was really good. I know um, you can say. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a good one. I see. I I was blown over by that film. Man, I I won't spoil the twist because there might be some people listening to it because you do not want that twist sport, do you? Um, But again, I watched that film with my daughter. We watched that together, and she she even went, "Oh my god, Dad! I didn't, I just didn't see that coming." No, I didn't. And I didn't. Uh, it's actually one of her favourite movies because we we kind of recite that when we're talking about you know sort of <laughs> the little granny was in it underneath the house crawling. Like, yeah. Oh my god, you know. Um, and when I watched that, I thought, "Here we go. This is M Night Shyamalan doing exactly what he does best." Do you know what I mean? He just those are the exactly the sort of movies he needs to be producing. And I'm hoping we're going to get a lot more of that from him. I think we might do. And every director has got a trademark. Oh, yeah. You know, you think yeah. about someone like, let's talk about John Carpenter, let's bring him up, because he's going to come up. But he's got his trademarks. <laughs> he you know. certainly has. Yeah. I'm glad you said <laughs> whether it, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> whether it's Kurt Russell or whether it's, you know, that 80s synth sound or, or just that gritty uh, dystopian or you know, or that loneliness. He's got his 
his trademarks and Shyamalan has his are always slightly supernatural there's always a twist ending mm -hmm. um, and it's about the story with Shyamalan always about the story yeah and um, I'm glad you mentioned Cobb and Sam I'm not just welcome to the John Carpenter podcast um, so I saw this with Shyamalan straight from uh when he started making his first three movies, like with The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, then Signs, and then possibly with The Village, I thought, oh my God. I thought, oh my God, we got we got another John Carpenter here. Do you know what I mean? I know that's quite a sort of broad yeah. statement, but I thought, oh my God, this guy is effectively doing what JC did. Now, when you look at John Carpenter, he did Halloween. And Halloween is, so The Sixth Sense is effectively Shadowman's Halloween because it was a big movie, it just came out of nowhere, boom, and it made a load of money. And more importantly, it's a good film. Mm. And then um, he brings out Unbreakable, a bit like JC bringing out The Fog. Again, people have gone, yes, yeah, JC. And then he brings out um, Escape from New York. And then obviously Shannonman brings out Signs. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of like these mm. directors have this little flow. And then all of a sudden... Um, Shannonman just had a little dip, didn't he, with Lady in the Water... Yeah, uh, and I just thought he just had a little bit of a dip there. Same with JC, wasn't it? You know, he just sort of dipped a little bit in the mid '80s with a couple of films which didn't do very well at the box office. But um, I just think that happens with directors, isn't it? They just. But it must be difficult to try and keep that momentum, to try and keep pleasing, especially people, if I mean? you're writing it as well, because you've got to. It's not like you're just taking over a project and you're directing. <clears throat> you've got to find the motivation to write something completely fresh. Mm. You know, do all the all the drafts of it until you're happy with the final script. Then you've got to produce and direct it. He often cameos in his films as well, which isn't a big deal, but he li he likes to cameo in the majority of his movies. <laughs> yes, as well. he does. Yeah, that's it. He's <laughs> <laughs> always in the movie. <laughs> like Hitchcock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, he's he's I, he's not the best actor in the world, but he's you know he does a good job, and I get I, I like that. I do like that. Do you know what I mean? I think he turns up in this in the blue jacket, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Hope you, hope you find uh, what you're looking for. <laughs> Bruce Willis says, we had a report that some people were selling drugs in the stadium. Can I check your pockets? And he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no drugs, though. <laughs> no, but he is wearing that blue jacket. And I, I, we'll get into this later, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, his colours are a significant thing as well. And unbreakable, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? With the superhero and villains and all that sort of stuff, which I think is very clever. And that's another thing about Shyamalan and bringing it back to this movie. This movie particularly has got a lot of um, layers to it. Mm -hmm. And you can watch this movie and that's that. Or you can go back to it multiple times and you'll pick up on all the different layers, whether that be the colour coding throughout the movie. And he did that with um, The Sixth Sense. Whenever the, the red colour red was arranged, you knew that there was a ghost arranged. Yeah. You know? And it's all very... Mm. It's, it, he's made a movie because he loves making movies and he puts these things in it because it's stuff he'd like to look out for. Yeah. And then us as movie lovers, we love to look out for that shit. So we do. And, you know, he makes he makes films for film lovers, I think. Absolutely. And they don't always hit, but most of them do. I think uh, Shannon will be a director that people will talk about. Um, it will get to a point where people will it'll be like Joe Dante or... Um, Scorsese or s something like that where people will go back and say Shannon is this you know he's a director we need to talk about in terms of his filmmaking and I think it's just being overlooked at the moment but at some point I think people will go back and say like we're saying oh colours in his movies it might be open to discussion 
Do you know what I mean? If he makes a couple of more really good horror movies, mm-hmm. he will be, to me, yeah. and this is going to sound blasphemous, he'll be on like Even Stevens with somebody like Wes Craven or somebody. Because yes. Wes Craven oh, yeah. only made a handful of mm. really good movies, horror yeah. movies. And uh, Shyamalan's already got like three or four under his belt. It, well, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's the other thing is, is that I was looking on his IMBD, he hasn't actually made a flop. He's actually made a ton of money, and I don't, you know me, I don't, I know films have to make money, obviously, because, you know, you get to make the next movie, but um, he has actually made a lot of money for the studios, you know, like, I think Unbreakable made a 150, 200 million, um, all these films have made money back, which is good, and I think that's why he can still keep on producing stuff, and I think this is why, um, you know, Lady in the Water, I mean, I haven't seen it for a long time, Um, Mm. it's probably not my favourite. But again, I appreciate what he did because he's basically done, he's gone, I've made a load of money, I've made some films that got, got me on the board, now I'm going to tell my kids' bedtime story as a movie. And it, when you think about it, it is probably the most, I can't really compare that film to anything else, it really is. Uh, out there, and that's I mean? kind of why I've got a bit of a soft spot for it, because I kind mm. of think that's really sweet that he's done that. Yes, that's right. He's gone, you know, I'm going to make this for my kid because then it's, you know, and I think, you know, fair play to him. Um, and then he's come back with the one we just said about the happening. But again, it's just, I appreciate him trying to put something different on the table. And I just hope he keeps doing that. Even if a film doesn't work, I think just keep putting it out because eventually you'll have a hit. You'll have something where people will go, I didn't see that one coming. You know, mm. like The Sixth Sense, you know, that probably helped with the horror genre I think a little bit you know well it was out of nowhere and people still know that that movie so well now they know the twist they know I see dead people that line is iconic in in movies now you know and it's uh probably one of the best things Bruce Willis has done aside from this yeah this this is for me probably one of Bruce's top three roles along with John McClane Mm. this oh, yeah. and maybe the sixth sense i think he's fantastic in this particularly this oh, um I, absolutely i think uh i think bruce willis if he could sort of concentrate on these sort of roles i think if he could actually do what tom hanks did like where tom hanks was a comedy actor in the 80s mm. and we all love him for that do you know what i mean we all love him for big and i think it's great but then he, he just turned around and went gonna come a little bit more of a sort of I wouldn't say that he's always been professional, but it's a different type of acting, like with Forrest Gump and, you know. Uh, Just a little bit more serious. A little bit more, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? I need a few more beers down me. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, he just becomes more of a, could I say sort of like a method actor, it's a little bit more sort of, you know, does Saving Private Ryan and all that sort of, you know, great films. I think Bruce Willis could do that, where he could just say, look, I've done the action. People know me for John McClane. I think he should stick with the horror genre or the old haunted house thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, just saying, from a sort of observation. He does good in those movies. Go. I'll tell you, another one that he was good in was 12 Monkeys. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he does good when he's like a damaged, quiet. Mm. And same with John McClane. You know, he's a very damaged, quiet individual in that as well. And yeah. he's better when he's doing that rather than sort of doing the whole like i don't know they he made a ton of especially recently he's just making so many straight to video straight to streaming films that are just terrible really aren't they he just doesn't really care anymore i mean is he sharing a flat with nicholas cage we don't know about <laughs> you know <laughs> nicholas cage is like hey come on man i got this new script you want to be in it and Bruce Willis is like not on that today 
Do you want to, you know, go straight to the Asda's top of the shelf, you know, DVD <laughs> this week? Chris Willis doesn't care. To the point, you know, me and my dad were talking about this the other mm. day, to the point that he basically got fired from the Expendables 3 because he just asked for too much money. Right. And they didn't want him in it. So they said, no, nope, this isn't what it's about, Bruce. This is about getting the old boys back together, you know, splitting, you know, for... A lo- like so Stallone will take the most of the money but the rest of the guys just turn up just to have a bit of a laugh really. yeah. and he was yeah. like no I want as much as Stallone and they yeah. said well then you're not in the movie we'll replace you with Harrison Ford which is brilliant it's <laughs> a, a good replacement good old Harrison Ford <laughs> yeah it's a good film that one he plays a pilot doesn't he um, Harrison yeah. Ford um, <laughs> but yeah no it's um, it's good, man. I mean, I just, the other thing I was going to mention in this film, it's quite a deep thing, because I, I go very deep with this film. Um, well, I, look, I remember watching it back in 2000. I, I thought, I totally get this film. And I spoke to a few other people, and they were just expecting something else. And I, I just came out, and I thought, oh, I totally get it. I just look, and, and the thing that I got was what Shadowman is, the main point of what he's saying here is that there are people on different ends of the spectrum Mm-hmm. So you can have, I mean, this this is almost kind of, I know it's a bit out there, but it's kind of sort of real life in a way where you, you say you've got like Stephen Hawking, God bless his heart, you know, the late Stephen Hawking, um, incredible person, you know, um, great ambassador for life, but he his, his brain was just, you know, with, was it the universe and everything he was talking about, mathematician and all this yeah. sort of stuff? But he was in a wheelchair, and this know, is just what crazy, makes me think. It? He had like probably, arguably, the cleverest man ever to mm. be on the planet Earth. Um, and struck, struck down to the point that he couldn't even really breathe on his own. But but he's the the mastermind, isn't he? I'm not saying he's the bad guy. But I'm just saying, as a sort of example, you have people like that, unfortunately. And then yeah. on the other end of the spectrum, you've got someone like, um, just say like Usain Bolt. You know, fastest yeah. man in the world. You know what I mean? Incredible guy. Um, and I'm just saying, you've got two people on different ends of the spectrum, haven't you? You know, athletes, uh, wrestlers. And I think that's kind of what they're saying with this film, isn't it? You know, with Samuel Jackson, who's very fragile, but he's a mastermind. And then you've got someone like David Dunn, who's effectively a superhuman. And I really liked that. I thought, wow. I, 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 I love the way Shadowman has tried to sort of portray that as a you know superhero movie because that is the main sort of building block isn't it as as we see in all the other movies yeah uh, so and i, I, really like I was thinking of you when i watched this as well mm. because i know you've touched on this in the past um it's plausible um yeah and i you know i'm i'm a bit of a romantic at heart and i do believe in certain things but i i do believe that there are really not necessarily heroes like superheroes out there but there are heroes out there who are and i'll give you an example yeah and it's a bit sad but obviously this week chadwick boseman passed away yes oh yes yes. films, and it's incredibly sad and shocking news to hear he's the same age as me Mm -hmm. um this is a guy we've now found out that found out he had stage three cancer when he was cast as the Black Panther back in the, about four years ago, yeah. carried on making all these Marvel movies plus all the other movies he's made as he moved into stage four. Didn't tell anybody apart from his close family. Um, went to hospitals visiting sick children, children who themselves had cancer, um, and, and just passed away. Not 
you know, no one knew his struggle. He, he didn't want anybody to know he was a hero. And there are really people out there who are actual, I guess, superheroes. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And yeah, absolutely. And like I so, say, I'm glad you brought that up, Dan. You know, God bless him. You know, it's really sad news and it just came out of it nowhere. Was. Do you know what I mean? I, I had no idea. Um, but just bringing it, you know, as, as what you said there, just to compliment on what you said, I, I totally agree with you. I think anybody who, and I'm talking about people who are parents, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, people who look after the kids and bring up their kids and stuff like that, they're heroes. Someone who um, helps an old lady across the road, they're heroes just for that moment. Do you know what I mean? So it's not always about sort of capes and stuff like that. It's, when you look around, there are people doing these acts all the time. And then, obviously, unfortunately, you've got bad people as well, haven't you? Do you know what I mean? We hear it all the time. People committing bad, doing bad things. Um, so the so the the model of yeah, the superhero, of yeah. So the model of the superhero and the villains goes on around us. And it was people like um, Stan Lee who's gone. I'm going to take this concept and t- turn them into comics and make these characters, you know, a little bit more. Um, you know, put capes on them, make them fly, all that sort of stuff. So it's, a, it's like an interpretation, isn't it, taken to another level, I guess. So, um, But yeah, so it's a fantastic thing. It's something that always fascinates me. So um, shall we have a look at this film then, mate? Do you want to tell us a little bit about this movie and uh, with your expertise storytelling, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, I can't believe how old this film is. With. I'm glad you said that because I thought the same thing as well when I watched it I thought really 20 years old I know it feels like quite a new film I was actually going to say yeah um, you know for the intro to bite size cinema yeah and I'm just doing a fairly modern film here oh actually it's not it's 20 years old but it feels um, I don't know I don't know why it feels so modern well I don't think it's I, I don't know about you mate but I, I don't really think it's aged doesn't feel like it's aged that much, does it? No, there's nothing in it to really age it too much either, is there? Um, possibly apart from less uses of mobile phones and things like that. But um, yeah, no, I can really. And there's no special effects really to sort of be aged. Yes, that's a good point. Actually, yeah, a bit of CGI. Hmm. Um, things like no, no, there's not. So it's uh, like you say, it's a real sort of um, everything's kind of real, isn't it? location-wise and stuff like that, so. Yeah, it all takes place in uh, Philadelphia, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, Which is uh, another Shyamalan trademark. Oh, well, they've really thought of that before, actually. Yeah, of course, because that, is yeah, that where he, the Sixth Sense is placed? Yeah, yeah I think he must be from Philadelphia. West Philadelphia, born and raised. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh <Sorry>. Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, uh, we start off with a flashback to a mother giving or having just given birth mm-hmm. in a department store. Uh, this is Samuel L. Jackson or Elijah Price's or Mr. Glass. He's got another name which he, he gets later on. This is his mum giving birth to him. Um, and the baby seems okay, but it's crying and it's crying and it's crying. And she's sort of saying, is the baby supposed to cry this much? Mm. And it turns out that the baby has been born with broken arms and broken legs. 
And did you think at this point, Dan, I forgot to ask you this earlier, but when you first watched this film, obviously after The Sixth Sense, I think everybody was expecting some sort of twist. And when you see Unbreakable, I remember going, I I didn't really know what the concept of this movie was when I watched it. I just went in to go and see it. And I was thinking, what is it? What's Shannon bringing out now? Do you know what I mean? I thought, what's happening with this kid? What's it going to be? And uh, I was looking for that twist in this movie. So at this point, when I first watched this film, I had no idea what was going on. I was like, it's just a complete mystery. I agree. I think um, this is back before, really, I was on the internet. Mm, so I, yeah. had, I didn't really know anything about this. I just knew it had Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson in it. And I thought, well, it's by a guy who directed a movie I liked. I'll go check it out. And yeah, it completely blew me away, really. Um I remember arguing with my friend actually when we came out he was like that was a big pile of shit and i was like what are you talking about you philistine this is that was an incredible film I yeah, really, we had a real argument about it <laughs> <laughs> i think i might have been the same at the time oh, dear. and the other thing dan just for i think this bit there's a little bit at the beginning where the, he throws in you know there's for each comic has about 35 pages that's right and i didn't realize how many um, comics are actually sold in the world, you know, per year, to saying how many thousands. So it just sort of chucks that one in as a little bit of a little bit of a taster. It's certainly um, got its. Um, if you're a comic book geek, which I I'm I'm a comic book fan, but I wouldn't say I was a geek. I don't know mu- mm. as much about comic books as others, maybe. But I think if you really were into them as much as some people, you're going to see little things in this, like those facts that are thrown up at the beginning. You're like, oh yeah, I, that's cool. I knew that. He's, he's done his research, hasn't he, Charlie? Yeah, that's he it, yeah. Definitely knows what he's talking about. Well, our next scene now is present day, and we meet David Dunn. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Willis. So he's got one of those names like Peter Parker, Clark Kent, Bruce Banner. He's David Dunn. So there's another little tease, little Easter egg there for comic book fans. And he's just an average bloke as well, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? Just sort of living his life, doing a train commute, isn't it? Um, And the other thing is he's just got uh, problems in his life as well, which... Uh, we all have, don't we, in some shape or form, don't we? So I yeah. kind of think this is what kind of makes him real. And it sort of throws you off the scent a bit here, doesn't it? To sort of think, well, what's this all about? Where are we going with this? Well, you think he's a bit of a creep initially because that yeah. girl gets on mm. and he takes his wedding ring off. And yeah. You think, oh, right, okay. Mm. It's only later on you find out that he's actually kind of separated from his wife. They're just living together, but he's actually moving away soon. So then you kind of forgive him, but initially you think, oh, okay, he's trying to chat this lady up. Yeah, he, go, he goes right in for the kill, doesn't he? <laughs> wedding ring off, you know. <laughs> Doesn't sort of just broaden that conversation out a little bit. You know? How long are you in Philadelphia for? <laughs> I know. Uh, check in there, Bruce. He's like, I'm. she's like, I'm married, actually. Mm. Awkward. Um, <laughs> he tries, he tries his best, but oh, he, he gets shot yeah. down. But like you said, he's got problems, and this is what this is where Bruce Willis is best when there's something weighing heavy on his mind, yeah. like John McClane oh, or yeah. something. Yeah, and, and what he's got weighing on his mind in this movie overall is him and his wife are in the middle of this um, possible separation. They've got a son. He's looking at getting another job, but but they ultimately, and what what comes to light much later on is he just doesn't feel fulfilled or satisfied mm. in his life. He's almost got depression. Yeah. Um, He's, and he plays it so well. He's just so quiet and downtrodden and downbeat and everything he does. He's like a proper superhero who's just sort of, you know, humble and 
know. Yeah, I, I like that because um, uh, Samuel Jackson says it's the sadness, isn't it? And he's and Samuel Jackson later on says to you, I experienced that as well because it's all this film was all about sort of like a it's very much a social commentary, isn't it, of identity and. Some, again, as I said earlier, I think these are things that we do experience as well if we're not on the right path as you know human beings. And yeah. I just like the way that Shadowman has brought that in to the superhero thing to say, look, you know, if a superhero is not doing the thing he's supposed to do or realises it, he might just get depression. And you know, especially for these times, you know, that we are in now, it is a big thing, isn't it? So it's kind of like a very clever social commentary on this genre that we all know and love and I think it works great well you think if somebody like Batman hadn't become Batman he would just be this rich orphan boy who's really depressed that his parents were killed in front of him you know and he didn't he's not doing anything about it but the fact he chooses to go out and fight crime yeah oh yeah that's kind of his um, calling really isn't it it's all about your calling the funny thing is I don't know why that's just come to mind but when uh, George Clooney played Batman I don't know why I'm thinking of George Clooney but he actually made a very good point when he was interviewed you know a very sort of George Clooney's very sort of call he said look look, man you know if if Batman didn't have the joke he'd just be sitting on his butt you know not doing anything do you know what I mean I thought that's a good point actually I remember he's just you know I, I don't know where that came from but I just remember him being interviewed and he said look you know uh, one doesn't work without the other, does it? Uh, no, exactly. It's, exactly. It's good, good and evil. Unfortunately, you have to have evil to have good, and vice versa, isn't it? And again, it's just that sort of all these things that's being pulled out of this movie. It's just great, you know. What I mean, I just yes, yeah, it's done so well. Well, Bruce, um, after being defeated by trying to chat the lady up, he has a little a little sleep, and then as he wakes up, um, we we get the sense mm. of something dangerous is about to happen there's lots of train noises people seem a bit panicked and and it, basically what's about to happen is an almighty train crash yeah. which cleverly isn't shown saving a bit of money on the budget yeah i think they just um you just feel that bit of dread i felt it when i watched the film last night actually you just have that and then David Dunn just looks around and it's a very clever camera shot isn't it where he just looks around very slowly and then it just goes and then that's it boom and yep. then I think it's just like it, it, it goes on was it like the news to say that you know it's been a yeah so it, it cuts to his son who's watching mm. TV and then he turns the new the channel over and sees this de- derailed train that's completely destroyed you know and they're sort of saying you know we're trying to find survivors you know this looks terrible we don't know if anybody survived and it, we, we repeat train 117 or whatever it is mm. and um, this rings a bell for young Joseph and he runs over to the fridge and sees a post-it note with his dad's train on it and it's it's his dad's train so shit my dad was on that train this is terrible um and then we cut back to david waking up in the hospital and i love this scene now he um yeah sort of wakes up and he's very confused how did i get here you know and the doctor is sort of saying do you have any allergies do you have anything you're allergic to have you ever had an illness do you have any of this do you have any of that and he's like no 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 i've got nothing and he's like okay why are you asking me so many questions Mm. he said well you were on the train crash and uh in about two minutes time you're going to be the only survivor and you don't even have a scratch or a bruise on you and as he says that off camera they're trying to save someone's life yeah. And you just hear a sort of the beep and they're dead as well. And it's, can you imagine that survivor's guilt of being the only person to survive that whole 
crash. No, I mean, and, and, and the odds, and you must be thinking at that time, this is incredibly weird because he just, you know, the doctor said, you don't have a scratch on you. You've come out of this unscathed. Everybody else is dead. And, uh, you know, again, I think it's very clever acting by you know, uh, Bruce Willis, isn't he? He's just playing it straight. He's playing it straight down the line, isn't he? And again, he's got his green um, top on as well, which is... Green is something in every scene with Bruce Willis, isn't it? Obviously, to that's his colour. That. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's his, his superhero colour. He uh, he walks out of the hospital and he has to walk past all the grieving families. Um, his son runs over to him. He's very sweet. His mm. son, uh, played by Spencer Treat Clark, um, is great. Uh, really yeah. good little yeah, actor, good actually. Yeah. There's a really lovely chemistry between them. He, he's very good in the. Um, uh, Glass movie as well, isn't he? He's, an old, he's, an, he, he's grown up a bit, isn't he? I yeah, was I was good. surprised he was in that, actually. That mm, was interesting that they got like back in that. Yeah. Um, and I see what you did here, RJ. I see why you wanted to cover this this movie next, because it's a lovely segue mm. from The Princess Bride, because in this movie, oh, yeah. Bruce Willis's wife mm. is played by Robin Wright Penn. Princess um, Buttercup. Yeah, Princess Buttercup. And do so you see, see that, Dan? I think in each of our episodes we've got some sort of tie, you know. This. <laughs> I think Corey Feldman's taken a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> He's not in this film in any way, is he? Let's well, it could check. be because you know, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are green, and you know, I'm just saying. Oh, there we go. Yep. <laughs> go get some pizza. God, I love being a turtle. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Corby Feldman podcast. Oh, yeah, this is it, mate. Oh, God. <laughs> so David and his wife, they don't really hug. And um, we no. find out, as I've said, this is because they are kind of in the middle of break, deciding to break up. So they get home and she says, you know, what are you going to do? With Have you heard about this job? And he says, well the one in New York, the security job. No, I haven't heard anything about it, but I'll probably still move there. Mm. So you just little bit snippets of conversation. And it, this is why I love Shyamalan's storytelling, because it's done in a very matter of a fact way, but it gives you just enough that you, you know, you pick up on, on what's going on. You don't have to have a whole backstory. Just little bits of conversation are enough, really. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you enough, doesn't it? To uh, a little bit of character development or whatever there. So it just gives you enough for this story, doesn't it? What you say? David attends a memorial service, a mass memorial service for all of the victims. I'm not sure how many there were. I think there was like 300 people or something like that. Something like um, that. Yeah. Uh, he goes there and he leaves after it's all done and he gets to his car and there's a strange note on his car from a, a sh- from a museum or an exhibition and inside the note says how many days have you had off work sick mm. and he's yeah. thinking that's strange is this from well, I mean I think is this from my boss what is this yeah if, <laughs> if I, I mean any I mean I'll probably uh, I know this is sort of a piece of the puzzle for the movie but if I had that on my car I'd probably just tear it up and chuck it away and think what the hell is that it's probably just someone trying to some dodgy nightclub or something like that do you know what I mean someone's putting that under <laughs> you know trying to sort of draw me in or something you know um <laughs> the titty twister <laughs> yes this is it yeah that's it <laughs> oh dear uh, so David goes off to work and while he's at work this is obviously on his mind because he says to his like boss's secretary he says 
oh, is Noel around? And she says, no, he's not around at the moment. Oh, can you do me a favour? Can you just ask him to look into my sick record? Mm. She's like, is that it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, just look into that. So he gets his famous green poncho on RJ, doesn't he? Now? Yeah, I love that. I love that and poncho. He, it's a great look because it's, it's just a poncho, but there's something the way Shyamalan shoots it later on, especially where you can't quite see his eyes and he's got a very Batman-esque style to it. And it's just a poncho. Yeah. Just a poncho. And I think that's credit to Shannon because he's not making it like a superhero movie. But he's managing to keep that, I guess, the aesthetic, is it? Do you know what I mean? He's keeping it in yeah. frame with this movie. Do you know what I mean? So it's like something we could possibly believe in or whatever. So I like that. I like that. It's not too out there, but it's just enough to make you go, ooh, that looks different. I mean, I'll jump ahead very quickly mm. before we get back on track. And I, one of the bits that really gives me chills is yeah. when he gets out the swimming pool near the end um, yeah. and he just slowly crawls out and stands up and there's this epic music and camera shot and it's just Bruce Willis in a poncho, but it just looks so <laughs> heroic. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, sorry, mate. I just It just made me think of something last night because I watched this late last night. Because when I watch films, just a slight segue here, I have all the lights off and I got my TV and later on, I just paused it, and it was actually a silhouette of Bruce Willis, you know, in his poncho. On, on, yeah. And I thought, oh, I can't pause that because that's really creepy. I'm, I'm just popping out for a piss. But I thought, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but that just looks like some silhouette ghost in my room as I get up. And that's going to scare the shit out of me when I come back. So it's just like, <laughs> I just thought I'd share that with you guys. There you go. It's me going for a piss late at night. Bruce Willis is watching you piss, RJ. In scaring me with his, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, as he's about to clock off for the day, his boss actually comes in and says, all right, very, very clever. I'll give you an extra $40 a week. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you've worked here for like six or seven years or whatever it is, and you've never had a single day sick. So you get a pay rise, no problem. And Bruce Willis is like, well, that's great. Mm. You know, I didn't expect that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 160 bucks, bucks up and I didn't even want it. But there you go. It's fine. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really getting under his skin, though, because when he gets home, he says to Princess Buttercup, he says, inhale this, but do not touch. What you do not smell is... Oh, okay. oh no, sorry, I'm thinking of a different film. Oh, yeah, 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 that. like that. Uh, uh, Kate Pollock <laughs> like that, if she's listening. She'll love that. Yeah, she, oh, she'd probably go, she's probably just waiting for us to sort of do that. So <laughs> <laughs> no, he says to, to Princess Buttercup, his wife, Audrey, he says, can I just quickly check something with you? Have I ever been sick or ill or had a cold... Just have a think about it and then mm. get back to me. So this is really obviously playing on his mind. And this is where there's definitely, he knows that he's got a greater purpose and a greater calling because this starts a thread for me, for him. Yeah, that's right. Again, it's, uh, I'm trying, I'm watching, I've watched this as if it was the first time watching this movie and you are putting pieces of the puzzle together. And I really like it because it's like a sort of investigation movie, isn't it? Like he's trying to work out what is going wrong with him or what is what it is with him and I just, it's clever how he's put that together yeah he is and he's you know I love the fact that his son becomes his little sidekick almost when he's in a minute it's brilliant yeah, um, yeah. another another little flashback this time back to 1974 and this is in West Philadelphia again born and raised <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> 
I'm trying to think of a rap for Unbreakable. I'll have to have a think of one and I'll get back to you. Um, so <laughs> this again is Elijah. He's uh, a little bit older now. He's probably, what, sort of 13 maybe? Uh, yeah. He's got a broken arm. And he's become a bit of a sort of agoraphobic. He doesn't want to go outside because he keeps breaking his bones because um, he's got this brittle bone disease. So his mum has done a very sweet thing. She's kind of tricked him, bribed him almost. Yeah, I like that. It's, yeah, it's good. It's what she does, yeah. She says, look outside. There's something out there for you on the bench across the road. And he's like, oh, the kids are going to get it. And she says, not if you quickly go out there. Come on, you can't stay in the house all day. And the box is obviously purple, isn't it, RJ? Mm, that's Which... it. So uh, I think because I think his mum was wearing purple. There's purple aspects here in in the in their house or their flat. Um, so yeah, so it's 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 great. I love that combination of the colours here. He heads out. And crosses over and he, he opens it up and this is where he's introduced to comic books mm. and he's got this great comic book and on the front um, of it it's got uh, a character fighting um a sort of jaguar type human and some say this is what the beast looks like the beast as in james mcavoy yes yeah um, yeah but that's almost like a little precursor to what he actually looks like in his true form with his long hair and his muscular physique um and his mum says anytime you actually leave the house you know there'll be one of these waiting for you so that's his thing if he leaves the house he gets the comic book i'd, I'd never be in the house i'd be out all the time comic books galore yeah, I'll be uh, running um, out in case someone might pinch it off that bench. You know, it's there for a long time. It did well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. None of the kids. If that was a playground when I was a kid, I'd have seen that and thought, oh, I'm going to see what's in here. Because uh, <laughs> being a kid in a playground, you notice everything, don't you? You know, oh, the amount yeah. of time. When you see something that's not supposed to be there, you'd be going, oh, what's that? You know, especially a present all wrapped up. Man, you'd be opening that right up. Wouldn't you? <laughs> Let's have a look at this. Oh, I got a comic book, guys. Woo. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> um, did you notice what uh, Elijah's mum says to him when he when he starts thumbing through the book? She says, it's supposed to be a really good one. Apparently, it's got a surprise ending. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just it's just prodding you a little bit. It's just giving you a little bit of information, isn't it? It's yeah. Uh, well, we cut to the same picture from the front, but now the original artist's drawing, and it's in an exhibition. And mm -hmm. it turns out that Elijah has got a dream job, really. He's a comic oh, book yeah. um, art dealer, really, isn't he? It's a brilliant I, job. I knew you'd say that. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's two bits in this film where I could see you, A, being in this shop, and B... <laughs> Being the dude later on in that comic book shop, you know what I mean? Working I thought, I thought, oh my god! It, I just sort of thought, if Dan Bohm is ever going to have a cameo in the movie, it'd be this dude. Hey man, you got to pick a comic or what? Because I need to get some chicken in me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to wheel you outside, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh god, there's a Dan Bohm cameo right there. <laughs> I'd do it. I'd do it. No, I love this bit now because this is um, such a hilarious scene mm. because, again, I kind of relate to this because this guy's like, yeah, I'll buy it. That piece of art is brilliant. My kid's going to love it. And he's like, mm -hmm. your kid? And he's like, yeah, my kid, Jeb. And he's like, how old is Jeb? And I, I can't remember how old it's, Jeb is. But he's not, you know, he's... And he says, one of us has made a grave mistake and wasted the other person's time. 
Um, this is a piece of art. This isn't something you give to a toddler called Jeb. So I won't be selling this to you today. Good day to you, sir. Yeah. The guy just kind of has to leave the record store. This the, um, the exhibition. This to me was uh, Samuel Jackson being his character out of Pulp Fiction. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Just the way he was talking to him. This is a cheesy, you know, or blessed be, it shall strike you down. Say what again? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and um, But I suppose the other thing I like here with his character is that he's not just going to sell something for money. It, it's important to him that this piece of art goes somewhere in, in its right place. So I think as a character, I think that's very clever how they've yeah. um, introduced that. It's great. He's very passionate about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so as this guy leaves, uh, David and his son Joseph enter because the cards that had the note in it about being sick was for this um, this place, this exhibition hall. So he goes in there. He walks in and Mr. Glass says, well, Elijah says to him, look, we're closed. The exhibition is open for a couple of weeks. And he said, oh, well, I got a card on my on my car. <laughs> you know, it's asking me about my sick days. And he says, oh, all right, well, let's have a sit down then. And uh, he starts um, really questioning him, doesn't he? Yeah, and the other thing I like here is that the, there's a hell of a lot of mystique here. You know, he's got the, you know, the character himself, you know, Samuel or Elijah, he's got the cane. He's he's very slick, um, full of comics, mystique, and behind him is some um, Egyptian hieroglyphics or monolith, isn't it? I yep. think that's great because I'm thinking, are they trying to say that there's the comic book story is from the Egyptian times, being sort of portraits of because. The Egyptians had some weird stuff going on, didn't they, with what they wore as headdresses and stuff like that. So I just thought there's a little bit of a... And also, like, the, the technology and the things that they could achieve, the Egyptians, you yeah. know. Mm. We do, there's so much about them that we don't understand and don't know how they did. Yeah. You know, how did they build those pyramids? And I know everybody yeah. says with slaves, but come on, like, there's loads of stuff that the Egyptians did and, and, and almost... I don't know. I watched something like Stargate, and yes, I think exactly. Uh, there's yeah, an element of this that mm-hmm. I wouldn't put past the Egyptians. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's um, it's a subject which I'm very, very interested in on a on a different side of things. If you know what I mean, with my treasure hunting and all that things I do as a hobby, I love all oh, that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, but I think it's kind of like Shannon and just chucking something in there. As a little, I see that as an Easter egg of hieroglyphics, almost being like an ancient comic book. Because they're pictures well, trying is, to tell you a story, do you know what I mean? This is what Elijah says to David. He mm. sort of starts talking about illnesses and stuff. And then he says, look, I believe that comic books are based on fact, essentially. History. Stories told that get kind of churned out and turned into sort of funny bubblegum bubble pop comic books and movies. Yeah. But they all start somewhere quite grounded. People that have got these abilities. Um, and as he sort of gets into this this part of the conversation he's he's lost david at this point david's like you are off your head mate yeah. <laughs> i'm not interested in what you've got to say he says to him um i've got a brittle bone disease i've had 54 different broken bones in my life um i believe that i'm at one end of the spectrum and i believe and this is what you talked about earlier and i believe that you might be at the other end of the spectrum mm. um you know you might be invincible and this is the point where david says to his son stop drinking that water yeah chuck it in the trash 
don't drink anything else we're out of here <laughs> this yeah. guy is uh, lunatic i'll probably be the same myself <laughs> at this point do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> could you imagine that could you imagine like like us in this situation where you know we go down the pub and you say well how's your day been rj well i said yeah i've got this uh thing on my car limited edition ask me how many days and i went to this place and there's a guy with a comic book shop trying to tell me that i'm a superhero <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, how's your day been anyway? It's like, oh, well, yeah, you know. I'd, I'd, I'd have said, did you drink the water? Did you throw it away? <laughs> yeah. I'll say, I drank the water this way. You say, well, you've actually turned a different colour or something like that. Yeah, you've gone green. <laughs> oh, but dear. again, Elijah's very clever because even this conversation is starting to get under David's skin because David gets home and he's thinking about it even more. He gets home and he gets his gun out. Then he puts it away. This is that classic thing in a film where if someone gets a gun out and puts it away, it's to let the audience know that's probably going to get used later on. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Very chilling scene later on as well when that happens. Mm -hmm. But then he starts thinking about his past, David, and he pulls out some newspaper clippings and he, re he looks at some, you know, he was a great, college football player he back in the day he was destined to be the next big thing um and he looks at all these newspaper clippings and then they show that there was a car crash and he had an injury so he he kind of quit football now he's he's a security guard you know working at the the stadium and that and that's kind of where his life has gone really um uh, he sort of thinks well that's my life you know yeah, so. he's he's gone he's 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 gone on two paths, and he. So I think if he if he didn't if he wasn't in that accident, he would have been a college football player. Maybe he would have found that path through that way, but he's gone down the other path where he's become a security guard. He kind of knows that he's supposed to protect people, which is what Elijah says later on, isn't it? He says you you've I love chosen that. to become to protect people. You know why did you do that? And the other thing I like at this point is that um, David Dunn goes to see Elijah because he thinks he might have an answer for him. That's the interesting thing. As much as it is, as I, I know I was sort of mocking it, but it's almost like he looked at that um, card and went to this comic book shop because he thought that Elijah was going to tell him something that he's been looking for. So it's almost like he knows he is meant for some sort of destiny. Do you know what I mean? And then when he says... Something obscure like your superhero goes, no, I don't buy into that. And yeah, it's mm. just interesting how they play that. It's hard to swallow. Mm. But also his life is now with Elijah entering his life, his life is starting to make some kind of sense because the next thing that happens after he puts his gun away and reads about his newspaper clippings is Audrey knocks on the door and she says, look, after the train crash, I've been thinking and I'd really like to give it another go if yeah. you want to give it another go. You don't have to say anything right now, but I'd love it if we could have another go. I mean, if Princess Buttercup knocks on your bedroom oh, door and God. says, let's give it another go, I'd say, absolutely, let's do that. But uh, <laughs> he just keeps it really quiet. He just stares at her. You don't even see his face. You just see him staring dead at her. And then she walks off and says, well, anyway, if you want to ask me out sometimes, that's fine. And then she shuts the door. And I think, how cool is Bruce Willis to just not even react to, to that happening? He's just like, yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah, it's I'll nothing, just, is yeah. it? It's just, it? It's just a blank page, isn't he? It's just, he's just set on this one path, isn't he? But like you say, if Robin Wright, you know, knocked on my door, yeah, 
no problem. <laughs> I'll give you a quick answer on that. <laughs> um, well, the next thing we see David back at work again. Um, he's back at the football stadium and he just can't get away from Elijah, can he? Because Elijah's now turned up at his work as yeah, well. That's it. That's it. And uh, it's very questions him, like you just said. You know, why do you think you work in security, David? Why do you think you protect people? Why is it? And he just he's just getting under his skin constantly. And he kind of makes they bring a bit of comedy in here now, don't they? Because he says he says something to him, and he goes, "Yeah, just all I need now is your credit card details." And that's right. Yeah, like that, he said. Um, he said, with these kind of notes from earlier, you know, when, when I get these kind of notes and I go somewhere like this, they say, all we need is your credit card details. Yeah. And uh, that's what yeah. Elijah says. He says, that last part was a joke. Yeah, and, and this is where he plays it a bit, like I said earlier, the character out of, um, you know, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. You know I mean, it's, yeah. it's almost like the same thing when he says to John Travolta, you have watched a TV, haven't you? Like that. <laughs> you are aware of TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just love the way Samuel Jackson just chucks that in. Oh, uh, I cannot wait. Me and Gav are going to be covering Pulp Fiction at some oh, point. Oh man, I can't the... wait for you guys to talk about that. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a good one to talk about. Sorry, <laughs> I, I just had to let that one out. Then I just can't wait because that—that's—that's that's a that's a brilliant film. Isn't that's, it? One of, that's one of my favourite Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, Absolutely, yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Um, brilliant scene now where David kind of senses danger. He brushes, we find out that he actually, when he brushes past people, mm -hmm. gets a very quick, we see it as like a flashback or a, a vision, but he says he just gets like this, um, the sense mm. of almost like a spidey sense. Yeah. He gets a sense of something and he says, to the guy in the who's like checking the security guy says to them start patting people down because i got a feeling the guy in the camo jacket who i just brushed past has got a gun with a silver uh, black handle on a silver um, barrel and he says all right i'll do that and he says if he has got a gun he says to elijah if he has got a gun on him he'll step out of line because um he won't want to come in here with a gun and uh lo and behold the guy steps out of line and elijah is like how did you know that? Mm. Tell me, tell me, tell me. And he's straight away, he's like, he knows he's he's onto something now. And he's like, I don't know. I just, you know, I got a sense of it. And he's like, don't you see, don't you see what this means? And again, David's like, no, no. You know, so do on. you think, I was thinking about this last night, um, something that Samuel Jackson doesn't let off with David, but do you think um, Samuel Jackson has these visions as well? And this is why he's kind of going, well, he, he's seeing it. It's what I see, so this guy must be part of my part of who I am. Yeah, maybe. Sense, maybe he thinking. sees it as well. Then, yeah. But you never, they never let you know that. And I just thought maybe that he's he's trying to find out if David is seeing what he's seeing because he said same as when he mentioned the sadness. Maybe he's feeling that sadness too. Do you know what I mean? So it's just tiny or what? But yeah, great scene. Great scene. And David, um, David says to him, you know, I, I can't explain it. It's something I've always had. It's mm. an instinct for danger or evil, however you want to say it. But Elijah is really intrigued by this to the point that he now chases this guy as much as he can with his bad legs. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, and uh, he, oh, I mean, I can't even say it. I'll let you say this bit because it's pretty painful to, to Sort of yeah, I, I felt it really. Um, I don't know whether it was like not uncomfortable, but just sort of like that sort of 
you, you, you almost shout on the TV, say, don't run, don't run, because you're so fragile. If you fall over, you're going to break your bones, as as we know. And then he's he's walking very quick. I feel quite sorry for him, actually. And this is the thing. Yeah. Where, he, where I know he is the villain, um, but I kind of want that guy to stop and just say, yeah, I was carrying a gun. And you sort of think, I don't really want him to do that, but he does. And every time I see it, he goes down the stairs and you just think, oh, my God. And then he falls Oh. But then it's almost like uh, what I liked about this bit is that he was prepared to break a few bones to find out whether this theory was right. And then it's almost like he was in pain. And this, this is such a clever direction from Shannon. He's showing pain, but then he's showing relief as to yep. when Elijah looks up and sees that gun. He's like... Just oh, as the guy jumps over the turnstile, he catches a glimpse of that gun and he's yeah. screaming agony pain because he's broken so many bones falling yeah. down the stairs. He just has a little smile and almost a bit of a laugh. Yeah, and it's almost he as if that pain's gone away, I thought. As if he's gone, yeah. oh, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm all right. I've broken a couple of bones, but now I know that David Dunn is this person that I've been looking for. Um, Such a painful scene mm. um, shot really well because you don't really see that any effects of broken bones, but it's the sound effects as he's falling. And we know that the kids called him Mr. Glass. So we picture a, a person or a piece of glass falling downstairs. We know what would happen. It would shatter. Yeah. And uh, he, oh gosh, it's really bad. Ooh. Yeah. Well, we get to my favorite scene now. David gets home. His son's sort of like, hey, uh, do you want to play football? And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to go work out. <laughs> and he says, all right, I'm going to go weightlift him. Oh, God, yeah. It's just, I think you, you, yeah, you posted something the other day, didn't you? Well, I just said, oh, you need to put some paint pots on there or something. I, I just said, you messaged me and said, um, you all ready for uh, recording? And I said, yeah, yeah, all good. I'm just going to do this. And I sent you a gif of Bruce Willis doing some weightlifting. Oh, that's said, right, yeah. Add more paint pots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get some more what weight on there. Because we, Joseph, his son, mm. has been suspecting, like all young boys, their dad is a hero. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. However, he literally is a hero and mm. there's a superhero. And so his son says, "Oh, I'll, I'll help you work out." So he does some couple of um, what do you call them? I don't even. I don't work out. Push ups. I don't know what they're called. Just um, push ups. No, um, oh, I don't know what you call it. But you lift a big weight, but. <laughs> I'm rubbish. Oh, not push-ups, is it? Um, oh, I don't know. That's I, 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 I don't really do lifts, weights myself, but <laughs> I could. I, I know a few people I can ask. <laughs> They're not here right now. <laughs> well, he says to his son, "Oh, that was quite heavy. How much did you put on?" And he's like, um, "I put on. I don't know." And he sort of looks around and he's like, "Oh, you put too much on, son. That could have been dangerous. Uh, I you think- shouldn't have done that." says what well, you did it all right dad yeah and he's put on 260 pounds isn't he which i yeah. think is probably about the average weight of a, a human like per, a, a grown adult isn't it so he's basically pushing that you know uh, he says to his son oh, take take some of them off and i'm going to carry on working out so he says all right dad so he fiddles around with the weights he does another couple of um reps and then he says how much did you take off and he said I lied. I put more on. Yeah. And he's like, what? And he's like, how much is it? And he's like, well, it's however it is. And he's like, Bruce Willis looks at his son and he says, let's put some more weights on. 
<laughs> so he puts some more on. He manages to lift those. He says, you better stand back just in case, because you never know. He might yeah. end up like destroying himself. And then he says, he's managed to lift all the weights he's got. And he says, what else can we use? And he's like, it's the next thing you see. They've gaffer taped a load of paint tins. Paint tins. <laughs> <laughs> and he lifts it. And he's, his son is like, how, I, how heavy is that? And he says, 350 pounds, roughly. That's huge. That's about that's about twenty four stone. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it gives you a rough idea, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Twenty four stone. He's and what I like about it is he's not doing it easy, is he? He is sort of, you know, you can see that vein on his head. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's lifting some weights there, isn't he? Um, but again, it's what I like about this is that he is a superhero, but he's a tangible kind of realistic one isn't he so he can push it but he's not he's having to really sort of go boom um but 24 yeah, he's stone not one-handed man, lifting a car he's lifting it with a lot of strain but he's still but he's lifting doing it. it isn't he yeah um which goes the same as what you said earlier when he puts that rain mac on he he's not typical superhero but you can just see the elements of it so it's just keeping it all real so every point i like i like to, uh I like the conversation where his son says, "Hey, Dad, uh, could you um, could you beat up Bruce Lee?" Oh yeah, he chucks him <laughs> in. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I like that. He says no, and he's like, "Oh, how about if he didn't know karate or kung fu, and he wasn't allowed to kick?" Uh, son, no, I couldn't beat him up. But I thought I started imagining then Bruce Willis fighting Bruce Bruce Lee, and I was thinking. I mean, Bruce Lee would probably kick his ass, but yeah. I was thinking that would be a fight I'd like to see. Yeah, I think <laughs> so. Yeah, probably be similar to the fight that he has in Die Hard when he's uh, fighting Cole, you know, with the sort of chains and a bit of water for spurting there. Proper 80s fight. We cut to uh, Elijah in hospital and he is smashed. The doctor is sort of saying, you know, you've got multiple fractions, your pelvis, your hips, you know, you're going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, pretty much. Mm. Um, are you okay? You know, what's going on? Is there anything you want to talk to me about? And he's just sort of, he's just deranged by now, isn't he? That He's becoming a villain, a super villain. Yeah. You know, he's got one track mind now, and that is to speak to David and find out more and and by chance you know whether it's Elijah that's orchestrated this or whether it's the comic book writer that's written this wherever you want to look at it he has a physiotherapist that happens to be David's wife Audrey yeah that's a bit of a yeah yeah destiny bit of destiny yeah that's the word I was looking for so brings them together he asks her about her husband. He says, uh, what made your husband quit football? And she's like, how do you know about my husband, David? I don't understand. She answers a few of his questions. And he says to her, um, what part of his body was injured in the car crash that made him quit football? And she doesn't really want to answer it. She can't really answer it. And she gets un- uncomfortable, really. So that kind of the end of the conversation there, really. Yeah. Which would be a bit um, weird. Uh, back at the stadium, David... Um, David's walking around and it, there's a bit here where and I, this, I don't think this is the case he bumps into a mother and son doesn't he and he gets like a flash of the child being abused mm. uh, a lot of people say that is the young James McAvoy character um, oh do they? Oh, right. yeah no, I, 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 don't, I don't think Shyamalan knew he was going to make two more films touching on from this but oh he did a lot, 
did he? Yes, yes. I, I only oh. found that out last night on a commentary. Wow. Talk uh, to me. Yes, he's um, yes, he he basically wrote uh, this as a sort of free picture thing, a bit like what Lucas did with Star Wars. Um, So he kind of knew where this was going to go. So this is the first part. But I think he's just basically put it together. If it didn't do well, this would still work as a sort of independent movie. So he kind of had that vision. Hence the reason why you said earlier with the um, the superhero fighting the Gorgon guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, he's always that. That was the McAvoy character, you know. For later on, so wow, that yeah. is deep. I didn't know he was really setting all of this up all of that time ago. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He always had it as a sort of sort of free picture thing. I think. So yeah, Ooh, yeah my mind is up. Uh, oh no, right <laughs> Dan, do you always <laughs> have, do you always have thoughts like that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, now, back at the stadium, um, Bruce is doing his Spidey Sense thing and he bumps into M. Night Shyamalan. This is the bit we talked about. Yeah. So you mentioned he's wearing blue. Mm. Yeah, I, just, I couldn't help but think, God, he's done that. For, he hasn't just chucked, he hasn't just gone, oh, give me that blue jacket, I'm going to go on set and do a cameo. I'm sure he's, he's done that for a reason. Yeah, it's just, because of the, I agree with you. Because color. later on, there's a significant character which we'll get to who's wearing a bright orange outfit. Yeah, and I there do you go. think yeah. Yeah. you're right. And mm. I do think Shyamalan's done the whole, you know, red, white, and blue Spider-Man um, or Superman, and then Batman's all in black. You know, every superhero's got their color, haven't they? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so I, I agree with you. I do think that. Yeah. There's definitely anyone of significance has got a color in this, really. Yeah. For sure. <clears throat> Turns out Shyamalan isn't a drug dealer. That's fine. Um, but but Bruce has to go to school because his son has been in a fight. Joseph got into a fight because some kid was picking on him, picking on a girl, and he stood up for the girl and he wanted to be like his dad. It's broke my heart. This scene. Oh no! Yeah, said, that's it. It's on this Chinese girl in my my class, and I wanted to be like my dad, and I'm not like you, dad. I'm not. I'm not yeah. like you. And he's like, you are like me, son. You are like me. It's such a lovely moment between them. Yeah, um, I, it's so cute, and I love the bit where the fat kid sat next to Joseph. <laughs> like, is that your dad? I think my dad could beat up your dad. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like a kid that's possibly come out of an eighties Uncle Buck movie. Do you know what I mean? He just yeah, he's like chunk or something, isn't he? Yeah, I, d- I just thought this guy is so from a different sort of generation. You know, just the way he's, yeah, I bet my dad could beat up your dad. Do you know what I mean? But that was such a thing at school, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? I thought that oh, is God, thing, yeah. that's how things were, you know, or probably still are. I'm lucky that my dad is six foot four, so no one ever said to me, my dad could beat up your dad. Right, okay, yeah. My mum was always the one that picked me up from school, yeah. second for like primary school, but the, the very few times my dad would come and pick me up, I was always like, Yep, this is my dad. Yeah, He's a I, giant. You ever see Dan Bone's dad? Don't mess with him. It could be a movie, can it? Don't mess with Dan Bone's dad. Going to the cinema soon. We were in a we were in a, a car crash, not very bad one. Oh no! But um, 
we me and my brother and i don't me and my sister i don't know if my brother was born if he was he was a baby yeah um and my mum and my dad and we were pulling out from the school and a car sort of rammed into the side of us right just a bit of a misunderstanding the guy got out swearing angry even though it was his fault oh god sort of having to go at hitting the bonnet of our car we were all a bit afraid because we'd just been hit by a car my dad steps out of the car this big guy and the guy immediately shuts up and says oh i'm really sorry sorry oh well, i'm so sorry oh you've got kids in there i didn't realize yeah. and i remember thinking yeah don't mess with my i was only about 10 i remember thinking don't mess with my dad my dad's a hero <laughs> that's it oh, that's yes yeah, amazing you're gonna feel like that you go come on dad yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> the other the other dad story i'll tell you very quickly because i love my dad obviously yeah. um was we back in the 80s and 90s it was a bit different in the uk um our our teachers were a bit rough with us they didn't like oh yeah up, but oh yeah yeah they, some my PE teacher was very rough he'd push us about slap us on the back of the head you know and um he met my dad on parent teacher night oh right my dad knew that this PE teacher was really bullying me and a few of the other kids. So he shook his hand and I could tell my dad was really squeezing his hand. And then he said, I'm Daniel Bones' father. And he just squeezed this guy's hand. And, and after that, I never got like a volleyball thrown at the back of my head or anything like that ever again. I think the guy sort of thought, all right, I'll let him off now. His dad squeezed my hand a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let me tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> well i was um i was a little bit of a rebel at school um not i actually uh chucked a stink bomb at Ooh. school and the whole place just got fumed out and i got in big trouble for that by the headmaster so i'm kind of like the super villain here <laughs> i didn't know, know who you are i i i thought I had these stink bombs, you know, you're buying from the and you're chucking them out on the street and making these horrible egg smells. I just thought, oh, that'd be cool. Let me stink out the uh, boys' uh, cloakroom, you know. And I just chucked it on the floor. No one was looking for it. Have that. Walked out. I just thought it'd be like, you know, fun. And my classroom was an outbuilding. And then we did cool. the registration. Then when I came to go into the assembly, which is in the main building. I thought, oh my God, this has just stunk out the whole school. <laughs> oh, I remember oh my those God. Yeah. They, there used to be a joke shop near me That's when I was it. a kid. Yeah. And they used to sell things to kids they shouldn't have sold, like fireworks, catapults, yeah. stink yeah, bombs, it. itching powder. Mm -hmm. And um, I used to I used to save up all my money from my doing my paper round. And I used to buy things like the stink bombs and, you know, itching powder was the yeah. one. I don't know what was in it, but you'd put it down someone's back and they would... I don't know what was in it. But it was, it was, it was terrible. Probably something incredibly harmful and toxic. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know, this is the 80s, man. Do you know what I mean? It was probably asbestos. Or probably something. bloody was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. We'll just pack that up. We'll sell, sell that for 50p and make a ton of money out of it. You know, so we just I, sell it to I kids. I remember buying a catapult, a really heavy duty catapult. From yeah one of these shops and i hid it from my parents because i knew they wouldn't they'd tell me off and then i was i lined up all my he-man figures and i was yeah. firing marbles at them to knock them over and one of them ricocheted off the wall and smashed the bathroom window <laughs> oh, god. oh my god yeah that, just, that, uh, i never saw that catapult ever again 
Yeah. Well, you've got to have fun. You've got to learn. And these sort of things either get you in trouble or you you might get hurt a little bit doing it. And then you realize, I'm not going to do that again. It's all part of growing up, isn't it? Really? Yeah, this is it. Yeah, you just do all these things, don't you? But there you go. So It's what being a kid is, making mistakes and being a bit silly and then yeah. realizing, actually, you didn't really do that. But <laughs> any kids listening to this... Just a warning, don't do that at home. Do you know what I mean? Don't do Can any I, of what we just don't said. Don't do any of that. Don't do any of that. We've learned our lesson. <laughs> I've had my fingers burnt. Oh, <laughs> Literally. Dear. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> my hair burnt. <laughs> and I went, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, dear. David, back to David. He's picked up Joseph, but he's talking to the headmaster, and she says you don't remember me do you i remember you and you were a very young lad i was a teacher at this school and you you were at this school you were the boy that drowned and you died for five minutes Mm. in the bottom of the pool and you're the reason that kids don't run around anymore and that there's kids are much more better behaved around the pool because they always tell the story about the boy that died for five minutes and then was brought back to life do you not remember it and he suddenly starts oh my god yeah i'm afraid of it i'm afraid of water i've got hydrophobia and he started this has unleashed loads of memories for him now yeah yeah it's it's making him think he, he thinks that he was possibly on the line of elijah wasn't it of being this superhero but he's gone well i can't be because i died and i drowned so it's serious debunked it is but it. it's a very clever way they have brought this in isn't it when you think about it with what they now obviously say about superheroes and obviously the comic book that he Elijah picks up isn't it kryptonite stuff like that you know superheroes have yeah. their flaws they've got they always have a you know a weakness a weakness yeah what would your weakness be RJ if you were a superhero what would your weakness be uh, probably John Carpenter that I mentioned him too much <laughs> <laughs> as soon as somebody hit, as soon as somebody plays some synth music that's it you're done yeah this is it yeah I'll, I'll be like just I'll be falling down on the ground oh, I can't get up <laughs> mine, mine would probably be cheese if cheese. there's a plate of cheese nearby right. I'd be like oh shit I can't fight you right now there's a big plate of cheese over there I'm going to have to go and eat that oh is it because you want to eat it or you don't like cheese oh, yeah, you I'm not allergic to it I love it oh, okay <laughs> Oh, I do actually have a peanut allergy, so I don't know if that makes me a superhero yeah. or not, but I do have a peanut there allergy. There we go. Look, there's your kryptonite, everybody. Yeah. RJ's kryptonite peanuts. Oh, and I don't go. like... This is the one for you as well. I don't like pancakes either, which people... What the hell? Yes. Yeah. Which... So if I was to serve you a delicious peanut pancake... <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'll be like... <laughs> I'll be, well, probably like the Wicked Witch of the East or whatever, just falling. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, done. Oh, I'll tell you, all right. <laughs> what are you done to I just served him a pancake with some peanuts. <laughs> His face is smelling up pretty big over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. No joke, though, those peanut allergies. They're no joke. I know somebody who's got one of those, and she had a kebab, and they Ooh. had satay sauce in it. Yeah, and she had to go to hospital the next day because she looked like she'd been had her face kicked in. Yeah, her face had swollen so badly. Oh, yeah, it's very it's yes. Quite, I, don't, I don't have it as severe as that. I've got it as a mild, um, but just enough to give me some discomfort around my mouth. So, 
Well, I'll make sure that we keep peanuts away from you from now on. Okay, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Coming to one of my favourite scenes again, a really chilling scene now. So we're in the kitchen at home and Audrey says to David, oh, I met somebody called Elijah today. He knows you. He's a very strange man. He's got these very strange theories. And then all of a sudden, Joseph has got the gun. Yeah. And... And... David says, look, look, it's fine. He doesn't know where I keep the bullets. David And Joseph's like, yeah, I do. Click, click. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he aims the gun. He says, look, I want to prove to you that you're a superhero, Dad. I'm just going to shoot you just once, honestly, just once. And he says, please, please don't do this. And now this is based on a real life thing that happened. Do you know about this with George Reeves? No. Oh, um, oh Superman guy, was it? Yeah, so George Reeves, uh, uh, who played... Superman in the TV show and a couple of movies, I think, back in the day, way before you know, yeah, Marvel, you know, Marvel and DC were even a thing, really. He was walking down the street. I think he might have even been in his uh, Superman costume. Yeah, he was. He was in his Superman costume, and it was between takes. And a kid, a real kid, pulled a gun on him oh in America and, and said, oh, "You're the real Superman. I, I, I want to shoot you." And he ended up having to say to this kid, "Look." Put the gun down, because if you shoot me, the bullet's going to bounce off my chest and you're going to hurt one of your friends or one of the people around here. Oh, right. And the kid ended up believing him and giving George Reeves the gun. And, oh, and that man. was the end of it. And that's exactly what David does here. He sort of says, if you shoot me, the bullet will bounce off me and it will hurt your mum. It will hurt you. You know, you've got to think about it. And then he just says, if you don't give me that gun, you're going to be in serious trouble. If you shoot me, friends, don't shoot each other, Joseph. And he yeah. really shouts it. <laughs> and he says he'll, he'll go away when he won't come back. He's going to take that job in yeah. New York. Yeah. If you shoot me, I'll go away to New York and you won't see me again. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> oh, uh, talk about, talk about you know, under pressure, being a dad under pressure. Your son's got a gun on you, Jesus. Oh, my God. That'd be awful, <laughs> wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? Bloody <laughs> hell. But um, it really brings, again, the plausibility of this because if your son believes that you're you were a superhero there's a chance this kind of thing would happen yeah but i mean in this instance with where he survived the train wreck and he didn't have a scratch would that bullet bounce off him i just i've always wondered that you know if he did shoot him would it bounce i off think him? that i think what are the physics of his powers you know yeah is he's because he, he didn't get a scratch did he so poss- possibly it probably would i don't know i don't know yeah but i if you want to know my theory with him, <clears throat> I do think part of it is that he's very strong. Hmm. But also, I think part of it is um, fate. So the way that the train probably crashed around him, he didn't get any injuries. I oh, think there's I like a see. weird probability uh, thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I see what you mean, yeah. Which is why like, he survived that car crash, which we'll look at more in a minute. Hmm. And I think maybe if the bullet, if the kid did shoot the bullet, it might have like grazed him or gone near him but not hit him you know i just know. missed him or you something like it. that yeah 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 pulp, yeah yeah <laughs> 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 that would have been a great little easter egg wouldn't it he shoots him it just goes all around the top of his head <laughs> just misses him and it's funny to think that bruce willis and samuel L. jackson were in that movie oh yeah that's right that's... yeah that's it yeah that's it he plays a boxer doesn't he yeah that's it and it's funny to think that they were in Die Hard 3 together oh, as well. yeah, I forgot they, to mention that as well. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So they've been together, like, 
this is the, probably their third film together now, they, I should imagine. They are, they are good when they're together, aren't they? I must they do bounce off each other quite well, because yeah. Bruce is this quiet, grumpy old git, and then you've got Samuel Jackson, who's quite a mouthy, you know, quite a mouthy guy, and they just work really well yeah, together. Yeah, because I suppose they? They, they are destined, aren't they? Because he's in um, Die Hard with a Vengeance, obviously he's the cop, isn't he? He's, but then... Samuel Jackson is the tech geek, isn't he? So he's more like the brains, isn't he? So yeah. I guess they're kind of moulded for this movie in some ways. I love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> they, well, they've worked together a few times and it works every time. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. Um, so uh, he doesn't shoot his dad, thankfully. No. He talks him out of it. That's the end of that scene. Glass speaks to David, or Elijah speaks to David, and says, look, the guy with the gun, I followed him, and, you know... Uh, he definitely had a gun so you were right about that and also I know that you ended your football career on purpose you did it for love there were no injuries to you at all um, and he says to, and he's opening up now and he says to Elijah look I almost drowned when I was a kid I died for five minutes there's absolutely no way I'm a superhero I want you to stay away from my family stay away from me get out of my life altogether that's the end of it and we cut to the Dan Bone cameo now, with Elijah in the uh, in the comic book store. Yeah, that's immediately and, uh, what I thought. I thought I saw this scene <laughs> even before you mentioned it earlier. I thought I just see Dan in it. I don't know why. Just the whole sort of comic book store thing. I just thought, yeah, I'd, just I'd see love to it. work in a comic book yeah, store. I see you doing I'd love it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. But Elijah kind of kicks off a bit. He tries to get the guy tries to wheel him out, and he knocks over a bunch of comic books. And in the end, he buys one. It's the um, the Sentryman mm, comic book, isn't it? Very clever. Yeah, uh, and he sort of says, "Oh, I want to buy this one." So he kind of he does, and that's that. And we get a sweet moment now where David and Audrey go on a date. They get a babysitter in for Joseph, and they're trying to rekindle their marriage. So they go on a date, and they seem to be getting on well. They ask each other lots of questions. You know, what's your favourite colour? What's your favourite song? Um, and it's a very sad moment, actually. Um, I. I touched on myself having a bit of depression a while ago, and I, okay. I really felt that from this scene where yeah. she says to him, so what is it about our marriage that isn't working? And he just says, something in my life oh. just doesn't feel right. Mm. Not not necessarily you or our son. I just don't feel right. Not Something's not working in my life. And, and I really felt that, you know, and he obviously we know it's because he's not doing what he's destined to do, but it's such a a sad and very real yes yeah and scene, really. I, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you sharing that with me Dan and let's face it we all suffer with that don't we in some ways you know oh yeah man um, um, you know and, for whatever and when reason you, when you, so you find your way out of it if, you, if you're lucky enough to, you find your way out of it yeah. which I you know I've done I've got an amazing wife and family and yeah. friends people like you around me that you know I, I do all these podcasts and oh, stuff with you, mate, yeah. but um you know, it's a sad moment, and you really think, "Oh, Bruce is actually Bruce is a great actor when he does these kind of things, man." You know, people take the piss and go, oh, "He's an action guy," and yeah, he is, but he can act. Let's not forget, he's a great actor. Yeah, man. and I think he's, he's he's also mentioned himself that he's a very sort of deep character as well. Um, I think I've seen him being interviewed, and I, I I know that he expresses that he cries with stuff. Because he's, I'm sure he's, he was interviewed once and he said, oh, you know, the action side. He says, yeah, I am. But he says, I basically cry at everything. <laughs> so I'm such an emotional guy. <laughs> and I guess I could see Bruce Willis like that. And I like that. 
Um, I like that when people express that because for me that makes them real. Um, well, I know I know that you really appreciate John McClane, particularly as a character, because I know that he's just you love the Everyman, don't you? I absolutely do. Yeah. And, uh, and I, he he does it so much better than a lot of people, you know, particularly someone like John McClane, who's just yeah. a guy who's just got it all going on. He just wants to get somewhere and go somewhere else, but it all, everything's getting in his way, you know, yeah. and he just... Oh, oh, <laughs> they're, so, they're such real characters to me. Um, because as I said, as you just said, you know, we all suffer these things on day-to-day life. Uh, there's a guy that I know, who I'm not going to name or shame, but he's that typical sort of you know very sort of don't 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 be wrong you know sort of very very well built tattoos gotta be in with this gotta be in with that you know and he just won't show himself okay that's fine but i'm just sort of like i really i say to people i'd I'd really like him if he'd just be himself because i know there's there's someone in there who's you know and then when I meet people who are like the everyday guy, I just think, yeah, I'll connect with that person so much better. Do you know what I mean? And, Absolutely. You know, I know it goes a little bit deep, but it's it's kind of what the point of this movie is, isn't it? Really, it's all about finding who you are, you know, as a person, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I think um, you and I and and people in our lives we're such honest people. And mm. we're, I'm not blowing smoke up our asses here, but it's true. Mm. And we're such honest, dangerous people that we don't, I don't, and I know you probably don't connect normally with somebody who is um fake because it's oh, hard to connect with somebody who isn't yeah a, you know a, a real person yeah. somebody who's pretending to be somebody else yeah you know? yeah it's um it's i think the point i made um and this is how because i always try to sort of evaluate things is that person i spoke about and this is the thing all the things that they're doing isn't wrong because i'll be a hypocrite to say i don't have certain ways about me you know with me 80s and all that sort of stuff but sometimes yeah. it's just the way he pulls it off. Do you know what I mean? It's just pulls it off in a fashion which I just don't believe is himself, if that makes sense. You know, it's just yeah. that sort of thing. But yeah, you know. So there you go. Yeah, bringing it back to Bruce, that's why we love him because especially when he does the role right, you know, he's he's very good at being a downtrodden sort of just a normal bloke isn't he yeah really? <laughs> yeah but it's but it's it's those normal blokes that sort of put it out of the bag as well do you know what i mean you know as you know as i said before you know with john mcclain he is that sort of everyday sort of superhero who does get through you know because he's got a sense of humor and and i think he i think like going on he's he's um honesty creates that sense of humor if that makes sense do you know what i mean it's sort of that's where you pull that out from, do you know what I mean? Through yeah, experience. Yeah, because you're, you're in a really weird shit situation. All you can do is make a funny comment, really. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And yeah, that is where sense of humour's come from, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You just think, oh shit, here we go again. Funny enough, what did I send you a little bit earlier? Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Welcome to the party, pal. And, um, you know, th- that's when you know John McClane is in, in control because he's sort of working on his wit, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a funny guy. There's oh, a reason chicks dig him. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Yeah, yeah, this is it. <laughs> well, well, David and Audrey get back from their date and the babysitters sort of says, you know, you've had a couple of calls. One of them is from a job in America, in, mm. a, in New York. Um, 
you didn't tell me you guys were moving to New York. So he's obviously he's got the job. So he's, that's an, another little obstacle because they're getting on well now. Well, are they going to move there? And also you had a voicemail and it's from Elijah. <clears throat> and Elijah says, uh, hey, I figured it out. Um, we're both on either end of the spectrum, but we both have something in common. We both have hydrophobia. We have a oh, connection. Yeah. Mm. There you go. It's your kryptonite. Water is your kryptonite, your weakness. And Bruce is like, this guy's really getting under my skin for this whole movie. He's just been digging and digging and digging and digging, yeah. <laughs> wearing him down. But this makes David do something quite mental now. He breaks into the warehouse where they kept all the train wreckage. Mm. And he goes in and he, he has a look around. And this makes him have a huge flashback now. We find out actually what happened at the the car crash. And this is something that has been reported loads doesn't it this kind of thing happens people do this kind of thing yeah um he the car crashed his wife was stuck in the car and he ripped the door off yes just using his own. Yeah. and how many times have we heard this um it's all goes you know, into it's the thing yeah it's uh it's the adrenaline isn't it that can make yeah. you you do that and is a i think they uh, they touch on this with the incredible hulk don't they banner they do, looks they into do, this, yeah. doesn't he? And he kind of questions why he can do it with his wife or something, doesn't he? Which kind of creation of the Hulk. Um, but yeah, yeah, it is a stated case. Uh, you know, there's um, been there's been women who flipped their car over. Yeah. Little women, you know, a, a very small framed woman, seen her two kids are in the car and they've lifted the car back up over, not lifted, but they've tipped it back over Obviously, they're absolutely shattered. They might have ripped a couple of biceps or something doing it. But they, at the time, the adrenaline and the urgency, you know, it's crazy. And these are these are documented cases. And that's what he does in this. Bruce rips the um, the door off, pulls his wife out of the wreckage. That guy sort of says, hey, is she all right? And he's like, no, I think she's got like a broken leg. Can you get the ambulance? And he's like, are you okay? Are you hurt? Bruce doesn't answer him at all. The guy that plays the young Bruce Willis... Yeah, it's amazing. He looks exactly like Bruce Willis like thirty years ago. Oh yeah, that's not um, wouldn't have been CGI or anything about then, would no, it? No, it's just, just been, a guy that yeah. just looks like Bruce Willis. He looks just like him, doesn't he? <laughs> it's crazy. It's pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, after remembering this, he calls Elijah and he says, "Look, all right, I'll admit to you, this is what happens. I've never been injured. You know, I saved my wife in the car crash. Da da da. Please tell me what do I do." So he, again, like you said earlier, he's going to Elijah for guidance. Elijah's now like, okay, I will give you guidance. He says, go to where people are. Mm. It won't take you long. Just go, go, go. So he goes to a train station and this great scene now where this oh, music amazing. starts playing. Mm. Epic the, music. The, just talked about that music. It's uh, scored by James Newton Howard, isn't it? And um, does an incredible job. I love it. It's a very sort of... Um, very sort of dance music isn't it for the time it is it starts off very sort of dancey and yeah, then it builds it into this orchestral epic almost like a superhero theme because there's this brilliant like he's basically for anyone who hasn't seen this or anyone who can't remember he walks through the train station <clears throat> spreads his hands out just so that his fingers just sort of graze people as they walk past him and he sort of pick, picks up on a woman who did a robbery or a guy that's possibly raped a girl in college and he's picking up on all these bad vibes and the music builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and then suddenly he touches one guy 
in a bright orange suit that we talked about earlier, yeah. bright orange jumpsuit, and he's the cleaner. And this guy, there's a really creepy flashback that Bruce sees of him knocking on this guy's door saying, I like your house. Can I come in? And he's like, who are you? And he's like, I like your house. Can I come in? And the guy just breaks in. And this is going to be um, our sort of first villain that Bruce gets to fight. Yeah. So Bruce follows this guy, doesn't he? Yeah, he goes to the house. Now, the thing is, thinking more about this guy in the um, orange bodysuit, could he be part of their world? Could he actually be a villain with some I think sort he of is. I think he is. I think everybody's got a colour in, the, in this mm. world. And I think whatever is is, I don't know if he's got a power, but maybe it's like the power of persuasion or something, because he gets this guy to just like let him in. I don't know, he's quite strong as well, as he's really strong. Yeah, guy. because um, when they have a fight, in that bedroom, didn't they? Um, he's so strong that they end up almost going through the wall together, didn't they? Well, he breaks, smashes all the dry wall, doesn't he? With yeah. Bruce on his back. Yeah, so it's kind of like that sort of... You see it in superheroes, especially in the Avengers Assembled, isn't it? Where they you know, get Hulk go through a wall with four or something like that. You just think... Mm. When I, when I watch this film or when I rewatch it, I think this is kind of where they're going with. Again, it's a, it's a mild sense of that. Um, two superheroes having a fight in this universe. You know, it's it's very clever. Well, this is a real superhero scene because mm. Bruce goes to this house and he, he he goes inside and he finds the kids tied up in um, the bedroom. And uh, the husband he senses the husband's dead in the basement, and then he go he sees the wife's tied to the radiator. We later find out she's actually dead, and he goes into the bedroom and he stands on the balcony. And then suddenly this guy in orange just sort of appears behind him and pushes him off the balcony. And he lands, and this is a bit of a lethal weapon two moment because he lands on the swimming pool cover, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, that's right. Yeah. wrapping around him. And he manages to, he sort of drowns because this is his oh, kryptonite. Dear. But then the kids pull him out with a stick. Mm. And this is that moment I talked about where he slowly and epically gets out of the pool and stands up. And the kids look at him like, you're the guy that's just saved us. And he's like, yeah, I'm Poncho Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. Don't forget your rubbish, Chief. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what if you come down here and chump some of this shit? <laughs> Sweet how you do to us first, famous ladies. And we get this bit now. This guy's evil, man. He's just spitting beer at this woman who's sort of tied to a radiator. Hmm. Bruce comes up behind him very slowly and just chokes him and starts choking him out. And he does not let go of this guy. It's a bit of a sort of a jujitsu MMA thing. He just doesn't let go. And this guy, like you said, he's putting Bruce through the wall almost. Keeps going backwards and smashing him into the wall and into the wall. Eventually chokes the guy. I'm, ass- I'm assuming the guy's dead. I'm not sure. We don't really know. Is that either a sleeper hold or a- has he killed him? I don't know. Yeah, either way, he's rescued this. Well, rescued the two kids. Two the kids. mum and dad, unfortunately, yeah. are dead. Um, but yeah, they, he manages, you know, to, to save these guys, and and he gets home and he hangs up his poncho like Batman would hang up his cape or something, you know. And uh, yeah, he carries he carries his wife up. So the movie becomes so again the romantic in me, RJ. Do you forgive me? Oh no, no, the movie no, becomes so 
beautiful now because mm. and and almost dreamlike because he picks up his wife princess buttercup Audrey, yeah. <laughs> and he carries her up to bed Do and he's fulfilled <laughs> he knows who he is yeah and he takes her up to bed and he says to her and again it's a tearjerker he says i had a bad dream yeah yeah which is clever and it's like he's woken up from the last few years now and she sort of hugs him and they're both happy, fulfilled. And the morning, he's having breakfast with his wife. You know, they're having French toast, and it's all a dream, really. And his son comes downstairs, and he's like, "Whoa, my parents are getting on again. This is amazing. This is exactly what I wanted." And then, one of the best scenes again in the film is, um, and again, man, I couldn't help but get shed a tear. Yeah. I don't know why. But uh, his son sits down and his wife and Audrey starts making breakfast and Bruce just slides the newspaper over to Joseph. And on the front cover of this newspaper, it says, Saved! And there's a sketch of what looks like Bruce Willis in a poncho. Yeah, so free. Mysterious man saves um, daughters, uh, daughter and son. Unfortunately, parents are dead, but it saves them from this crazy guy. And his son looks at him and says that was he sort of mouths that was you Bruce says Mm. he shushes doesn't he and then the way that the kid the actor does this like teary look of such pride for his dad but also like I knew it I knew you were a superhero but Bruce is like you can't tell anyone and they they don't even say a word they just it's all through the, the eyes and the shushing and it's just amazing, isn't it? And then Audrey turns around and says, I've been thinking about this Elijah Price guy. I don't think any of us should probably speak to him again. Oh, we yeah. need to keep him out of our lives. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> amazing scene, man. That scene really blew me away, really affected me and really um, tugged on emotions in me that I've already discussed in yes. yeah. chat yeah, with my how I feel about my dad. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people probably think that their dad is a hero. And this is like this for this kid to find out your dad actually is a hero and it's on the newspaper. Wow, what an amazing scene. Oh Yeah, I, it's and I like the picture as well of it. It's just a sketch, isn't it? Um, which I think ties in nicely with Elijah's comic book shop because it's now that oh, yeah. that picture you could see in his comic book shop with all the other pictures of the superheroes uh, which yep. kind of like links that up which I think is great but yeah no and I think it's good filmmaking good directing by Shannon that makes you feel like that it brings it I love it when a, <laughs> I do love it when a film makes you feel emotional because I think that's basically uh, you're sold with the, the film. The director has reached out to you to sort of get that sort of point of the story over to the audience, which I think is great. So, yeah. Uh, and just before we get to the, the sort of the twist, the final scene, mm. the other thing I would say as well is what he's done with this Shyamalan with this movie is he's done it all through the acting. Um, yeah. There's no, apart from one fight scene which, which we've just had, there's been no crazy you know moments where someone jumps over a building or or something crazy happens it's all through the acting and the storytelling there's nothing else it's just that that tells this really incredible superhero story yeah it's 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 great um storytelling absolutely yeah you've hit the nail on the head there dan on this this whole movie um i think it's uh just what makes me appreciate this movie every time I watch it. 
Um, so we, we end really with Elijah's got another exhibition. David arrives. He starts chatting to Dave, uh, to Elijah's mum for a little bit. Um, and, yeah, we find out a little bit about her. She's still, still alive, etc. And then he turns around and he, he meets... Um, he, he chats to Mr. Glass, who we will, he will name himself that in a moment. They shake hands. He says, you know, I've realised who I am thanks to you. So, and they shake hands. He says, I think this is the point where we shake hands. Yeah. <laughs> David shakes his hand, but of course, when he touches someone who's evil, mm. he gets a glimpse of, uh, of what's going on in their head. And as soon as he shakes his hand, he sees lots and lots of glimpses of terrible things. Train crashes, accidents, bombs... And he suddenly, th- th- this is the twist ending, the famous Shyamalan twist ending. He yeah. looks behind where Elijah sat. He sees blueprints for different buildings. He finds out he chatted to guys about hotels that were easy to Oh, set that's right, yeah, in. that's it. He sees bombs that have been made, books on chemistry, um, newspaper clippings about mudslides and train crashes and airplane crashes. And he suddenly get, and again, Bruce Willis tears up, absolutely hits you in the gut with the emotion. And he says, why, why have you done this? Why have you done this? Why have you killed all of these people? And Elijah says, because I, you know, I'm looking for those very specific set of words, you know, one soul survivor. You're that one soul survivor. I finally found the person on the other end of the spectrum for me, my nemesis. And I know I'm not a mistake. I'm not a freak. There is a reason for me being around, and that's because I'm your opposite. Yeah. And uh, it's just an emotional gut punch, isn't it? Yeah, because right when, when I watched this, I, I, it was a surprise for me um, because I thought, oh, I didn't. Maybe it was the age I was at the time. Uh, it was 20 years ago. Um, because there's no social, there's no, yeah, make me feel old, but there's no social media about them. There's no spoilers, was there? Um, no, and I just thought, oh wow, and then it all made sense to me. You know, I thought, oh my god, yeah, because I thought I didn't know where Shannonman was going to go because I thought it might be that Bruce Willis turns out to be a bad guy in the end. That's why I thought it might. I thought go they were going to well. team up. I thought they were going to team up, and, yeah. and um, maybe Mr. Glass was going to be like um, the guy in the Batcave, almost that sort of direct. Yeah, work together. Yeah, Mr. Unbreakable, yeah. but. When you find out that actually Mr. Glass is the one that created all of these accidents and explosions mm. just to find the one person that was indestructible. And the other it's like, whoa, Lex the other, Luthor. Exactly, yeah. And the other thing I like here as well is what he said. And it was so such a great thing that he said it in this movie, Samuel Jackson or Elijah, to David Dunn. He goes, you know what, though? He says, you know why most comic books is that the hero and the villain they're usually best friends and I just yep. thought oh my god that's just fucking brilliant that's just he says, really what a great he end they always know. start off as friends and you think oh my god he's really then they have because David started loving him well, mates, by the end of it yeah. he walks mm. into that exhibition David is like I wanted to come and tell you that I've um, you know I fulfilled what you said and I've saved someone and I think I'm going to be a hero but yeah. then he finds out just at that moment that mm. he's actually the the reason that all these people died earlier is because of him. Yeah, this is it. And it's almost like um, when you go back to, when I said about the Egyptian hieroglyph, you're going back to the ancients, it's almost like evil saying to goodness. 
you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. Um, and I just thought it's uh, it's putting out some real deep stuff. You can just sort of walk away from this and go, yeah, that was a good ending. But if you really look deep at it, you think, oh my God, there's some subliminal clever messages here. It's just, I thought it was fucking brilliant. <laughs> Bruce walks out of the exhibition with tears in his eyes, and yeah. probably my only um, my only um, thumbs down of any part of this film really is that we didn't get to see any more because it just ends with some text saying David reported Elijah to the authorities. Elijah got arrested and is now in a mental asylum. Blah blah blah. I'd love to have seen a little bit of that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But again, this is like you like you mentioned at the beginning, which was blowing my mind. This was Act One. There were you know yes, it was set right. up to be three acts. So yeah. so that was it. Unfortunately, Dan, you're not going to get any more. That no. was the end of it. Deal with it. Yeah. That, and that's the best thing, RJ, is that. I want more. At the end of this movie, I'm like, I want more. Oh, no, I think that's a good <laughs> thing. If, if, if you want, if you've walked out going, I want more, and then your imagination sets in. Um, I got the same thing when I watched Back to the Future when the DeLorean goes off, and you think, I want to see more of this. And um, I do like it when a film ends like that as well. I know what you mean. You just sort of going, Oh God, I want more. Um, but um, okay, so there's one thing I haven't said, which I've purposely oh. held back on. Till we got to the end of the movie because I didn't want to throw it in. But Warehouse, and you've probably seen it in another movie, I'll give you a clue, it's another horror movie. Where have you seen that that end scene where someone's gone up to someone and sh- shaken their hand and seen a premonition? It's all putting you on the spot now. I know you uh, know it. Christoph- am I going to kick myself with Christopher this? Walken? The Dead Zone? you seen that film oh yes I purpose, okay. so I purposely didn't I didn't want to throw that in I thought we'd get through to the end but I just thought oh my god that's what Christopher Walken does isn't it? he shakes someone's hand and he sees what's going on doesn't he and I just thought oh, there's a bit of a Stephen the, King thing the in ice it, so. is yeah. going it got to break, break. <laughs> god almighty <laughs> god why don't they get uh, Nicolas Cage to remake that film? Nicholas Cage and Christopher Walken to play brothers in a film together. I, they've got a bit of a thing, in they, like that? Do you know what I mean? That sort of. I'd love to see that. <laughs> but um, so, that's yeah. Unbreakable Man. Yeah. Woo. And uh, it, it's. Well, it, I think that out of all the movies we've covered, that's the newest one, <laughs> and it's twenty years old. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. That's right. I know. I know. It just It's the newest one. It's probably the most deepest one we've covered as well out of all the films. And um, I knew this was going to put out some deep thought. And I think that's what Shannon does. Um, it really does. I'm a big, of... big, big Shannon fan. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got a, not for a while, because I've you got one coming I up. I write episodes way ahead, but we've mm. got a Shyamalan episode coming up on my, on the mm. podcast on Haunted Hill at some point. And uh, he's definitely, you know, he's definitely somebody who's made some, like we discussed very early on, very made, made some very awesome movies, but... Uh, this is definitely one of my favourites because it's not it's not horror. This is more this is a superhero. It's a comic book. Yeah, I think uh, I think this movie deserves a lot more. Um, could could certainly do with more awards and spoken about with the cinematography and the music and the direction and all that. And I think with Unbreakable, I don't think it was marketed very well. 
as what the they movie didn't know was how trying to market to... it really no. a guy no. that had just made the horror movie you know how do you market a superhero movie that isn't a superhero movie there's no capes there's no flying but mm. you've got Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson in it, but then they're not really doing much other than talking. How do you market that? Of course, it's going to be very difficult to no. market. And I think that was a that was a problem with this film. It just didn't. Um, I think what Shannon didn't want to do is let the cat out of the bag. So, but then people have just watched The Sixth Sense, and I was the same. When I went to go and watch this film, I was looking for a twist all the way along, and I was trying to work out what was. What, what is Bruce Willis going to be? Is he going to be a ghost at the end of this again, or something? Or is he really dead? Is that why mm, he survived yeah. and all this stuff? Are they two ghosts? And I think a lot of people were thinking that. Um, I and I, you know, I might be wrong know. here. You'll probably know this, but mm. I should imagine this probably has made more money in home video and, yeah. and, and DVD, etc., yeah. than it did in the original. I, I can't imagine... I should imagine it made money in the cinema. Yes, it did, yeah. It's yeah, got yeah, Bruce, it's got Bruce it. Willis and Samuel Jackson. People yeah. are going to go pay money to watch that, but yeah. I bet you this has made a ton more money in the last 20 years as a DVD, as a stream, as a Blu-ray, etc., etc. Yeah, I think it has. It's got a massive cult following now. People are loving this movie. Um, you know, now they realise what it is and that, so it's doing well. Um, Word of mouth, you know, it's oh, if you like superhero movies, you should watch Unbreakable. Oh, right, what's this, what's that about? <laughs> oh, it's about a guy that might or might not be a superhero. But honestly, you need to watch it. You know, you can imagine trying to, sell, and I've tried to sell it to people. It's difficult. Yeah, it's surprising how many people don't kind of get that. Um, but I think there's only going to be a certain amount of people that might, uh, you know, just. Because it is, I, I think, quite deep. I'm happy to say that. I'm always I'm always analysing people anyway when I'm walking down the street or going into work and driving. I just look at people and think, and I've got to put it out there, I think, oh, could there be superheroes amongst us or something like that? Or well, is there another thing going on? I know, agree with you. And, and like I that. thought, of, I, you know, mm. we've had conversations over the last couple of years yeah. and I, I certainly think I agree with you. Mm. And also I, I think... Don't judge a book by its cover, I would say. You don't Ooh. know someone's yeah. story as mm. well. Mm. You know, there's a lot. Of, and again, I'm sorry to bring it back to Chadwick Boseman, but you don't know someone's story. No, you know? no, that's right. And, you know, as you said, you know, I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up earlier with Chadwick. And it's such sad news. But what, what you said earlier is he didn't publicise it, did he? No. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, that is being a real hero, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? He's, he's, he, um, he's, you know. I watched I watched an interview with him <clears throat> that he did where he was talking about Black Panther. I think Black Panther had just come out or was just about to come out. Mm. And he was on stage with some of the cast and they said, uh, you know, tell us something. I don't know. He was telling a story basically where he'd been to visit a cancer ward with some children. Now, at this time, nobody knew he had cancer. Mm. And he'd said two of the children on the cancer ward had said to him we want to live long enough to see Black Panther come out Oh, and he said to the audience that were interviewing he said so of course this makes me want to get up every morning to do my job which is 
to be this character, to act this role, to be in this film, to get this film wrapped and done so that these two kids can see it. And he ended up crying towards the end of it. He was consoled by a couple of the cast members. Oh, no. But again, none of us knew at this no. time that he himself, no. no wonder he was crying, man. Yeah. What a fucking legend. Yeah, absolutely, Anyway, man. I'm sorry to bring it on a downer again. Uh, no, know, it's just... not a downer. No, Dan, I think the, the I, I love these stories and I know... Um, that there will be people listening to this show. I know there's um, other, you know, hosts and guys from the Legion Podcast Network, and I think that's why we all get on very well, you know, as a sort of podcast family. Um, other people listening to this conversation being able to relate to it, I think, yeah, because it's just, yeah, you know, what I mean, I'm, I'm not um, just in terms of just being able to express that, um, you know, sort of emotions and how you're feeling and. Um, these types of stories so um, I know it's a little bit deep but I just like that sort of stuff <laughs> well I that's like unbreakable that sort of it's you know it is deep it's yeah it, yeah it's um, I guess that's you know because films this is you know this is why we review films you know we you like your shark movies because that puts <laughs> you into I know we're but um, you, you know it you watch a film and it can control your ways of feeling, can't it? Do you know what I mean? Like a horror movie can make you feel really scared. And then a superhero movie can make you feel sort of invincible. So I think that's why we love films, because it puts you into that sort of mind mood set. So 100%. There you go. That's why That's why we watch movies. So. <laughs> oh my God, Dan. Wow. I've gone deep. I'm sweating. <laughs> my pon- I'm gonna have to take this poncho off actually. It is hot. Oh. <laughs> well, you got Alice behind you putting water on if you have a watering can. <laughs> She's got a watering can. <laughs> Get me into uh, character for this podcast. <laughs> oh, oh my god, Almighty Dan! Jeez. <laughs> Oh well, there we go. There's um, there's unbreakable. Hope you enjoyed that, guys. Like I say. Um, so Dan, listen. Um, what you got coming up next for your show for uh, Haunted well, Hill? Firstly, thank you so much for having me on. What an amazing conversation. Um, and I feel this is our probably our most grown-up conversation that we've had. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I, yeah, I, I, mate. Yeah, thank you. I, I couldn't think of it honestly, mate. I couldn't think of anybody better to. Uh, talk about this movie with i knew you'd be sort of on board with it and uh funny enough off off i remember posting it on your page ages ago before i even did podcasting and i just always thought oh dan would be a good guy to uh speak about you know talk about this movie so here we are fate as it mate fate as it there you go yeah um but the podcast on haunted hill so for anybody who wants to listen we've just covered john carpenter that episode came out a week or so ago we did they live and we did escape from new york however we are days away from recording and releasing our latest episode 97 where we are looking at some 80s vampire movies we are covering vamp with grace james Mm -hmm. and Fright Night Part 2 which is fucking brilliant and I'd forgotten how great that movie is I um, actually started watching it the other day because I heard you guys saying you were reviewing it and I thought bloody hell this film holds up I only watched the first 20 minutes I thought shit this is good this is good really good really good honestly Fright Night Part 2 is only 
a cat's whisker less than Fright Night Part One. It's it's almost as good as Fright Night Part One. It's such a good movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's what we're covering next. So that's what we're doing on the podcast. I won't go into because I know you guys are covering it. But I'll just say one thing. I love the thing that Roddy McDowell says in that. I think he's sitting in the bar. I haven't got. I haven't seen it for a long time, but I just always remember it. Someone says, "What do you do?" And he goes, "I kill." vampires like that and I'll be like oh, that's fucking brilliant what <laughs> <laughs> oh, a legend yeah he's a legend absolute fucking legend brilliant what about you what's coming up next with you on this show well I've got something very exciting coming up um, I've actually got um, Sir John Campbell Hammond who is the grandson to uh, W. John Hammond Campbell I think I've got that right <laughs> he's the guy who wrote the thing back in the 1930s um so he's coming on this the show to talk about his grandfather incredibly yeah. exciting news when you mentioned this mm. recently this is so incredible yeah no thanks mate i'd i'd I, he's a really nice guy he's private messaged me um he's a fan of the show and all that and he's um you know a big sort of ambassador for the thing in general and like I say, I'm honoured to have him come onto the show to talk about his grandfather's work. And I just think it's just incredible, really. So I'm really So his grandfather to... wrote Who Goes There? He wrote Who Goes There. Wow. And he was also the inspiration for other sci-fi novels um, like wow. Isaac Asimov. And... So basically, oh. if it wasn't for him, I'm figuring that, you know, we wouldn't have had as much so- well, the sci-fi that we have today, if that makes sense, including films Well, if it wasn't Aiden for him, and you like and I that. wouldn't know each other because we wouldn't have met in that queue outside of John Carpenter. Um, exactly, mate. Way. Yeah, this is it. You know, it's, well, another, actually, another fate line, Dan. Do you know what I mean? You're talking there about... There we go. I still can't get over that. <laughs> just, I know I bring it up a lot, but I just think that's just very, very... Yeah, very sort of spooky, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here, but yeah. It's just fate, uh, dude, it's just fate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, so he's coming on to the show and I'm looking forward to that, so I'm going to do a, it's going to be a different sort of show because we're like a, like an interview. Um, that'd be cool, that'd be really so, interesting. So yes, so look out for that, I'm going to be recording next week, so we've got a date set up, um, so yeah, look out for that. And then um, other, uh, what else have I got? Uh, oh, so what are we going to do next? Um, we're looking at... Mm. Mm, yeah. Forget all you mm. know what you need to know. <laughs> Will I look good? Yeah. <laughs> <Assassin>. <laughs> Which finger shall you choose? <laughs> Let me consult the bones. Oh, mate. <laughs> I think from the sign of it... We are going to be covering Willow, aren't we? Willow, yes. Yeah, I look forward to that, oh, mate. Yeah. RJ, what are you doing to me, man? <sighs> Val Kilton. Yeah. Warwick Davis. This is going to be yeah. insane. Yeah, so we've, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun with that movie, mate. So we will sort that one out. So there you go, guys. Um, look out for the uh, Willow episode with me and Dan. And a few other things. I'll, I'll drop a few other episodes in as well. I'll, I generally make it up as I go along, but I'll find some. This guy so. drops about three or four episodes a week. Uh, so watch out. <laughs> I 
find something unusual and unheard of maybe for the next Talking one. Talking of so. which, before, before you wrap mm, up, um, yeah. I'd listened to your Space Hunter episode that you did with oh, Matt yeah. and yeah. I'd never seen that movie. I've heard of it. I've never mm. seen it. My God, it sounds incredible. I need to watch this. A guy with a sex robot flying around yeah. space. Yeah. It just sounds brilliant. I yeah. need to watch it. And it's got Ernie Hudson and Harold Ramis in it. Hello. Yeah. Why have I seen this? Yeah, so Harold Ray, yeah, he does the intercom message at the beginning. It's also got Ivan Reitman as an executive producer. So they were pretty much making Ghostbusters on the other sort of set. And they were making this movie. And you've also got Elmer Bernstein who did the music to Ghostbusters. So it is... I just don't know how this film doesn't get more spoken about than it does. Because it is just... Well, I've never seen it, dude. And I'm... I'm 100% going to be yeah, watching you... it sometime over the next couple of weeks. I'll be very surprised if you don't enjoy it, Dan. I think I will. Um, because Wolf is... <laughs> he just feels like me in my 40s. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, he is. <laughs> I, I know. It's just... Because I've, 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 I'm a big fan of... Wolf is my hero. He's like my spirit guide. And um, I think I've mentioned it. But he, when you watch the film, it's just... I don't know what it is. I just love his sense of humour. He's a bit of a bit of a loner type dude. Just likes his own space and all that sort of stuff. And I just think it's great. And he's just got Molly Ringwald irritating him. But like I say, as you as you know, in the end, he, he has to go and rescue her and all this. And the um, banter he has between uh, Wolf and uh, Ernie Hudson is just. I love it. It's just, it's unique. So yeah, check it out, Dad. I think you enjoy it. Thank you. I will. I've put it on my list. So thank you very much for for putting me onto that. Yeah, no problem, man. Okay. Well, Dan, listen, man, as always, mate, I always have a blast. I always look forward to having you on the show and talking about movies, mate. So as you can hear, my voice is just a whole, whole ton of fun. Um, I'm just going to go and have to have an ice bath now just to sort of chill out. <laughs> <laughs> cool it down. Yeah, go down the shop and buy a load of ice. Are you recording a podcast with Dan tonight? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> oh, thanks, dude. I no worries, man. On as always. Yeah, cheers, Dan. Okay, then, guys. Well, like I say, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, and I've already told you, what I'm going to be back soon with. So I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. So please go and check out the other shows, including Dan Show, the podcast on Haunted Hill. And you can find Bite Size Cinema on iTunes, Spotify, and several other players if you put in Bite Size Cinema Podcast Legion onto Google. And I've also got a Facebook page, so post anything on there, any films that you want me to check out, or just anything generally, any comments, anything about the show. Um, so there you go, guys. Um, like I say, hope you enjoyed the show. Keep it bite size, keep it safe, and we'll see you soon.
if you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.